would taste just as if it might have simmered long and slowly over one of those early hearth fires. Well, that's because Campbell's, like the good home cooks of long ago, make their chicken noodle soup from plenty of chicken. They're fine, plump chickens, too, slowly simmered for a golden broth that glistens with chicken richness. Then into the broth, Campbell's put lots of golden egg noodles and tender pieces of chicken. Mmm, good. How about you at your house sitting down at supper tomorrow to big plates of Campbell's chicken noodle soup? Want to? following day, and we find Dexter paying another visit to the Princess Zoroaster. You wish me to consult the planets again, young man? No, you, you don't have to consult the planets unless you want to. But, gee, what I really want is some advice. Uh, what kind of advice is it that you wish? Can I speak to you confidentially? Off the record? For free? Go ahead, Sonny. What's on your mind? <laughs> Holy Cow, I mean, gee whiz, you, you talk like people. Well, why not? I was born in Brooklyn. <laughs> okay, what is it? Well, well look, um, I wouldn't want Corliss to know this or anybody to know it. But the fact is, I don't know much about women. Don't worry, kid, I won't tell us so. <laughs> well, okay, then. What's the best way to handle women? Treat them rough, kid. You mean swat them? Well, sure, if you've got to. In any case, never argue. Either kiss him or swat him. Holy cow, that's terrific advice. Thanks a million. Uh, what you gonna do, Sonny? Well, I've kissed Carlos, but I've never swatted her. Yet. Maybe I'll try a little bit of both. Good hunting, kid. Mmm, good. Mmm, good. That's what Campbell Soup does. You've just heard Meet Corliss Archer, starring Janet Waldo as Corliss. This is Del Sharbot speaking for the makers of Campbell Soups, inviting you to listen in again next Sunday, and bidding you good night from Hollywood. Mmm, good. Mmm, good. That's what Campbell Soups are. Mmm, good. Meet Corliss Archer is written by F.U. Herbert. Music was composed and conducted by Charles Dance. Yes, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Mmm, good. Mmm, good. That's what Campbell Soup's are. Mmm, good. Campbell Soup's invite you to meet Corliss Archer, starring Janet Waldo. Oh, hello there, Mr. Charvet. Hello, Corliss. You seem on top of the world. Oh, I am, Mr. Charvet, on account of those perfectly divine clothes. Clothes? Mm -hmm. What clothes? My back-to-school wardrobe, of course. Oh. Mom took me shopping yesterday, and we got the most precious things. There was one little green dress with cap sleeves and all studded with gold nail heads, and a luscious corduroy suit, and a new raspberry sweater, and, of course, the best thing of all was a soup. Uh, yeah, a uh, soup. Well, what on earth is soup doing in the middle of your wardrobe? Oh, Mr. Sharper, you're so diverting, honestly. It wasn't in the middle of my wardrobe. It was afterwards. 
After we'd been shopping, I mean. Oh, I see. It was Louise's day out, and Mum had to get Daddy's dinner, and she wanted it to be something he specially likes. And that... A wall there, Corliss. Let me guess. Campbell's chicken noodle soup, hmm? Mr. Sharbert, you are positively psychic. Yes, Campbell's chicken noodle soup. That soup is so good, it makes a main dish that's simply terrific and ready in a jiff. Oh, my goodness, that's poetry. Not only that, Corliss, it's true. There's no main dish that's more tempting or quicker to fix than Campbell's chicken noodle soup. You're so right, Mr. Sharvet. Bye now. This morning, on her way to breakfast, Corliss stops by in the kitchen for a few words with Louise. About time you showed up, young lady. You're late again. Father and mother are halfway through their breakfast. Oh, Daddy won't mind, Louise. I mean, look at the beautiful flower I picked for his lapel. Mm-hmm. Oh, golly, Louise, those hotcakes smell absolutely divine. Uh-huh. Louise, darling, whenever I have to face a crisis, I've always been able to turn to you, haven't I? Listen, young lady, I diapered you, and that tone of voice always means you want to borrow money. But I always pay it back. You're not going to pay it back this time. Why do you say that, Louise? Because I'm not going to lend you any, that's why. But, Louise... Listen, Corliss, both your mother and father told me not... Quiet. I don't want them to hear. Well, I'll bet you don't. But, Louise, you don't understand. It's for the anniversary present. I, I saw something at Benson's that's absolutely out of this world that I want to get him. Only I, I don't have... Corliss! Oh, my... All right, Angel, I'm coming. Hello, Mom. Good morning, Daddy. Morning. Look at this simply gorgeous flower I picked for you, Daddy. Hmm. Now, Corliss, you're late again. Sit down and eat your breakfast. Okay, Mom, but first let me fix it in Daddy's buttonhole. There. Doesn't he look sensational? I mean, golly, I think men with buttonholes look so prosperous. Don't you, Daddy? My child, so far as you are concerned, prosperity is still around the corner, if that's what you're driving at. Oh, Daddy, you're terrible. Just because I see how nice you look, is that any reason to think I'm hinting for money? Well, it often has been in the past. Well, don't worry, Daddy. As a matter of fact, I do need money in the worst way, but I'm not going to borrow it. I'm going to earn it. You're splendid. Daddy, may I have the classified section of the paper, please? Sure. Help yourself. I'm going to look right now under help wanted, and I'm going to work practically immediately. You better eat your breakfast first, dear. Daddy, listen. Would you let me take this job? Oh, golly, this sounds terrific. What is it? Wanted. Young girl with beautiful feet to demonstrate toenail polish in department store window. (laughs) Excellent pay. Apply Benson's cosmetic department. Too bad, Corliss. Now, if only you had beautiful feet, there'd be a job with the future. But, Daddy, you said yourself my feet were just like Mom's. And you know that she's got the most beautiful feet in the world. (laughs) She's got you there, Harry. (laughs) Oh, no, she hasn't. You do have beautiful feet, Janet. And if you wish to apply for the job, I'll raise no objections. Corliss is too young. But, Daddy... Darling, don't be silly. We wouldn't dream of letting you sit in the window of Benson's demonstrating toenail polish. But, Mom, why not? I could wear a black mask or something, and then I bet crowds would gather and wonder who I was. Yes, and Dexter would be in that crowd saying, Holy cow, look at Corliss's feet! <laughs> None of us would ever be able to hold our heads up again. Oh, well, I'll look for other jobs. Oh, golly, Daddy, how about this one? Wanted immediately. Attractive car hops. Good salary and excellent tips. Oh, Daddy, would you let me be a car hop? In a word, no. Corliss, dear, we've been through all this. You are not going to take a job. 
You've got a great deal of homework to do during vacation to make up for your poor grades, so just forget all about it. But, Mom, you don't realize it is absolutely imperative that I should get a good, steady-paying job. You mean imperative. And how, Daddy? Gee, where's what you take a long time to eat? Holy cow! Corliss, do you still crave a steady, well-paying job? Oh, of course, Daddy. Are you going to let her go to work, Mr. Archer? Oh, shut up, Dexter. Uh, what did you have in mind, Daddy? Would you like to earn $50, Corliss? Golly! 50 bucks! Holy cow! Shut up, Dexter! Uh, what would I have to do, Daddy? I will pay you the sum of $50, Corliss, if you can wean Dexter permanently from his favorite deity, that eternal holy cow. <laughs> huh? And I'll add a bonus of $25 if you'll expurgate the hers. Holy cow, what's wrong with her? Huh? <laughs> Turn down the level delightful Janet Waldo and say hello, Patricia. Hello, Patricia. Hello, Patricia. Hello, Walden. Howdy, howdy, howdy. It's Sunday here. Oh, good grief. How did that happen? It sneaks through. Good. We, we are live. You can talk to Sunday Patricia and Saturday Walden. Yes. <laughs> 714-545-2071. As somebody came over to my house yesterday, I love when you two start giggling. What's true? We come up with the creative way to make each other giggle. So. Okay, so so you're Sunday, and I'm Saturday, and we're both wearing Superman shirts. That's right. We're right in style. Superman. 714-545-2071. Before we got on the air, I was saying to Walden how much fun it is to talk with Janet Waldo and fun in general to talk with someone who recognizes that the experiences they had are wonderful stories for other people to hear. Sometimes people just tend to brush those experiences aside and say, well, everybody had them. Well, nobody's interested. Well, yes, we are. Oh, yeah. Got them. So I'm I'm just so pleased that she she shared so many of them with us. Oh yeah. She... Do I have time for another story? <laughs> I have time for another story? Yes, Jen. Do I have time for another? Yes, yes. Please keep them coming. Keep them coming. Yes, yes, yes. So how are you? I am fine. Had a wonderful day. I was uh spent the day with Larry Gaffman and I went up to L.A. to sit down and do a two-on-two interview with our friend Tommy Cook. And Terry Moore, and we had a big, nice audience, and had a wonderful time. Took, took, they went, we went out to lunch, had a club sandwich, couldn't eat all of them. I have a theory. This is Walton's theory. Have anybody noticed, when you go out to eat anymore, the portions are getting bigger and bigger. Isn't that, it's, it's, um, I, what's, it, what's the word I want? It's inverse. The economy is getting worse and worse. The portions should get smaller and smaller. I know. But I think they're getting bigger and bigger in order for them to justify the price that they charge. Well, if they served less, they could bring the price. I know. <laughs> well, but, that doesn't work. Well, it must be cheaper for them to add three three more pounds or something and charge ten much more than, than cut the price down. I don't know. But it's just the things are just getting gigantic. Hello there. You're on the air with Patricia. 
if you go to Claim Jumper, yes, they get smaller. How small do they get? Well, I don't know, but I, did, I remember the last time I went to Claim Jumper, I didn't have to buy a Mack truck to bring my portions home. <laughs> What is Claim Jumper? Claim Jumper is a restaurant. I don't know how far and wide it is, but I know it's in California, and I, I thought it was in other states, too. Uh, it's, it's a West Coast thing, Patricia. You When you go to dinner, you take a carload to bring it home. These things are guys get... The cakes serve like 13 people and $30 or something. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the, the mother load, that kind of stuff. And it, yeah, chocolate mother load cake. Oh, it's just incredible. Mother load of... <laughs> but it used to be, and I mean, the I, I would always have to take... They're now called to-go bags. They used to be called doggy bags, but I'm sure it probably incensed somebody. Uh, you have to have a St. Bernard now. Yeah, well... Yeah. God, I mean, I, I would know. I, I would have three meals or four meals out of the, what they what they would cook. Now, I can almost eat it all there. Ah. To cut the portions down there, but not necessarily at all restaurants. Yeah, at this restaurant, I could barely get my mouth around the sandwich. <laughs> yeah. So Larry and I were sitting there eating today, and I, he said, "Why didn't you take it home?" I said, "I didn't grow, you know, bacon will last forever. You know, get all that." You you can't screw up bacon. I guess not. No, bacon is always good, no matter when you eat it. <laughs> so did Even you, if you take, freeze it for a year? Did okay. you take a nap yet? Well, oh no, 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 no. Oh, okay. No, I've not taken a nap yet. Although um, I, I was tempted shortly after I got home, but I decided no, we'll just wait until later on. Uh huh. It was a good day. It was a very long day, uh, but but fun. And Terry Moore and Tommy Cook were just terrific. Yeah. Uh, you know. Terry very quiet at first. Yep. For some reason. But as soon as she got in front of a microphone, and then later on at lunch, uh, she opened up. She was very, very nice. And mm -hmm. Very, very good. Yeah. And people enjoyed themselves, and uh, it was fun to see people that I hadn't seen in quite a while there, so that was kind of fun, too. Don't you agree with, uh, with Patricia's uh, observation, especially with Janet? It's wonderful to have actors who love, they know the history that they, and they can tell the stories. Like Tommy did today. Just, yeah, just see, roll them all off. You can't fake passion. No. Well, some people can. They're called politicians. <laughs> but ordinarily, no, you really can't. I okay. mean, when somebody comes up and starts talking to you, and they're very ebullient and, and passionate about whatever it is that they're talking to you about, I mean, that's not fake. That's They really feel that way. And, uh, and the same thing with Jimmy Weldon, who was a guest in the audience. I mean, he's he's up on everything, and he's very up and bubbly, yeah. no matter what he's talking about. But, you know, it's really great, too, because you always know how those people feel. And they always love radio. They talk about it incessantly, and that's a meeting that's been gone, wow, uh, about 60 years. Yeah. That's scary. Yeah, it is. Ooh. Yeah, think about that. I mean, think about the fact that the people who never heard radio at all um, could uh, it, 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 it's been 60 years since radio actually was on not counting the attempts later on mm -hmm. that's a long time ago yeah you know because yeah. when I first started collecting it was 1970 or 71 so even 30 years prior to that would have been 1940 right in the middle of the golden age of radio mm -hmm. now back 30 years from 2012 and you're into the mid 70s. Mid-80s. And 80s. You know, so it, it depends on your perspective. It's been a very long time. 
And the bulk of the people we now know are in their mid to late 80s or 90s mm -hmm. who worked in radio. And none of them are in their 70s anymore because radio wasn't around then. Mm. Except for the, the, the most part. Yeah, except for the beavers. Except for the beavers. Yeah, yeah. that's about Everybody it. Else, yeah, except the, for the, them. The beavers are the kids and they're in their 70s. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, I know. And even the sons and daughters of some of the people who were in radio and are now, if they if they were alive, they'd be 100. Mm -hmm. Like, for instance, uh, we interviewed Joan Benny for the radio show, which will be up in a couple of weeks. And when we first talked to her in 1990, uh, she was 57. Now she's 75 or 76, you know. Mm -hmm. Wow. I'm 57. So it, it's amazing how fast time goes by. It's weird. It's and, you know, we, I thought to myself, oh, we talked to her at Spurtback for the last time, maybe what, I don't know, 97, 98? Mm -hmm. I looked. It was 1992 when she came out to Spurtback to speak on a Sunday morning at breakfast. That's almost 20 years ago. That's true. Yeah, it's just, it's just weird how time sometimes plays tricks on you, too. Hi, Larry. Patricia, are you here? <laughs> Surprise! Are you surprised? Well, I haven't heard you talk in almost five minutes. Um, I couldn't. Walden, were you talking too much again? Uh-huh. I thought so. Uh-huh. I thought so. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I am faring fine. Good. Good. Everything is good. Everything is very, very, very busy. Uh, aside from all the stuff I'm supposed to be doing, you know, at work and things I'm doing in terms of singing and, you know, the radio show, someone's kept me very, very, very busy. I wonder who that might be. I don't know, but, you know. I was I'm, going to say I'm part of the busy because I keep getting these emails that are copies from Walden and the originals went to Larry. He <laughs> sent Patricia X, Y, and Z. Or Larry says, okay. Walden likes to share. <laughs> I mean, he President. We have to get him on the ballot. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> this is. Well, yeah. I think I think it's it's just my it's just my ways of uh, uh, internal fundraising. My friends will say, "Would you please get do your own work? We'll help contribute." Well, I, mean, I, I can't say that you don't because you certainly do. You you don't just say, "Hey, how'd you like to do this?" <laughs> We're involved with Spurred Back. We're involved with reps. We're involved with other stuff. I believe in sharing with my friends. Yeah. Uh, there's some other stuff going on that I won't talk about. Yeah. But I mean, there's tons of stuff going on. No, 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 no. Something's wrong here. Yes. Walden, Walden never says, how would you like to do this? Yes. Of words and says, will you do this? No, I, 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 I probably have made it a little longer in terms of sentence structure than I should. I think it has to... I think what he has really said was... Do it. Do it. <laughs> Don't think about it. Do it. Just do it. <laughs> no questions asked. <laughs> do it. He has, uh, he has put little electrodes in my brain and I'm asleep at night and I hear, Do it. Do it. Do it. That's why I was up at 3.30 a couple of days ago and I have no idea. It's probably some sort of inner voice from Walden. Uh-huh. Little, then get up. Rod, Do it. Rod Serling in here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Exactly. Well, I don't have any really hard... I wish I had known you were calling. I would have spent some time 
really, 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 really searching ah, out. Patricia. Hard question. What? N- name three people who played Little Beaver. Me. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was our trivia question today. That was our trivia question today. That was funny. And in our spurback giveaway. Tommy Cook. Yeah. Bobby Blake. Yeah. Frank Brzee. You just won the Martin Graham book. Really? Well, no, because nobody's going to give it to you, but you would have if you'd been at the meeting. Yeah. Jimmy Weld. Jimmy. Johnny McGovern. Right. Uh, and that, there's somebody else, too, I think. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. They, total, there are a total of six. <clears throat> Even Ann Whitfield played at one time as a girl. And Mercedes McCambridge, yep. actually. Yep. Yeah, but there are there are six guys. Hold on. Actually, what happened today? Barbara Harmon starting to institute giveaways. She might be listening to our show. Uh-huh. And Martin Graham donated one of Patricia's favorite books, the Information Police book, as a giveaway. And in the in the interview today, Larry asked it about the little beavers because we had little beaver and his girlfriend, and the name came up. And at the end of the hour, Barbara Harmon asked, and dead silent. No, nobody was kidding. listening until uh, until Webster Webfoot Daddy st- stood up, said <clears throat> there was Tommy Cook, Frank Brzee, and the other guy. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Okay, we've got um, Frank Brzee, Tommy Cook. Henry Blair, mm-hmm. Johnny McGovern, Sammy Og, and Bobby Blake. Oh, I forgot about Sammy Og. Plus, Mercedes at Cambridge. Yep. Who played it for one line. <laughs> when and Tommy Cook was... In the bathroom. In the bathroom, playing around and got locked in. So that's one, two... And couldn't get out and finally got out and ran up and she was doing his line. Do I get credit for remembering that there were six? You bet. You won the book. But I'm not going to get it, aren't I? No, if you know where um, Barbara Harmon lives. Yeah. I am going to get the book. I just know it. Actually, you know what you need to do? You need to say, Walden, get me the book. I think I already have, so I'm safe. Walden. Oh, really? Yeah. She got the information, please, book. Oh, yeah, I do. I already have that. Yeah, I do. Oh, okay. Oh, Walden, get yeah. me another one. I can get you another one. You you look through the book list, what you want, and I'll, I'll post things. Uh-huh. I can go to the book list store. Uh-huh. Ooh, this yeah. is good. Yeah. All right, let, let me see here. Um, oh, dear. I just put away some really good questions. <laughs> <laughs> this is awful. Okay, okay, here you go, here you go. Which crime solver type person at the beginning of many, many, many of his shows said, Get this and get it straight. Crime is a sucker's road, and those who travel it wind up in the gutter, the prison, or the grave. Philip Marlowe. All right. I knew. Played by Gerald Moore and once by Bill Conrad. I have faith. I had faith in you, Larry. I knew you would know that. There's nothing worse than knowing you know it and and then not being able to come up with a name. Isn't that awful? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We do that every week to our poor family. Yep. Oh, Somebody calls in and says, I know it, I know it. And I can say, I, I know you know it. I, I can see the name. It's all on the tip of my tongue. And you know what, Patricia, at lunch today, that happened? Three times. T- Tommy <laughs> Cook. Tommy Cook. P- P- poor Terry Moore. Oh, God, this was so funny. Oh. Terry Moore spoke up. Who was the guy who won the Oscar four years ago? 
for Best Supporting Actress. Dead silent. And he's Hispanic. You know, you and know who I mean. Of it, I called John to ask him to look up on the internet. He, Tommy called his son. His son wasn't there. So we're, the, the, voices, the voices are gradually getting louder, saying, we can't believe, we can't remember this. And, 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 and Tommy is filling in the part. Well, he came up with a director. Tommy came up with the movie. With everybody. And, and then so he kept asking, who is it, Tommy? Who is it? Finally, some guy walks up behind Tommy Cook, who is a waiter, who is also Hispanic. He said, are you talking about the movie Traffic? And Tommy said, yes. He gave, him the, he gave Tommy the name. And then the whole restaurant broke out in applause. Applause. That's funny. <laughs> right? Who was it? Oh, my gosh. I can't remember his I name. I don't know. I can't remember his name. And then later on, we started talking about MASH, and Tommy said, who, who's the guy who played alongside Alan Alda uh, in MASH and eventually uh, left MASH, and there was a, a suit going on, and mm-hmm. they finally got it settled? And he's and, an activist, and it's Michael... Mm, Mike Farrell played... Farrell, yeah. BJ, after this guy played the other doctor who was the sidekick of Alan Alda. We couldn't think of the name. It took us 10 minutes. And originally I said, oh, you're talking about McLean Stevenson. And he said, no, 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 no. Well, McLean Stevenson played Henry Blake. He was right. So finally I called John, and John looked it up on the Internet because we were going nuts. Trying. We had to pay to get out of there, and we just we couldn't wait any longer. Trapper John came up. John, Trapper John McIntyre yeah. came up, and it was Wayne Rogers. I knew that. But we could not pull that name. And that is so frustrating because I watched MASH forever. I mean, I'll probably watch all those shows at least a dozen times. I know that. <laughs> and I think it's still on TV on the Hallmark Channel or something like that. I think. I that. Uh, I don't know that it's on locally, but I mean, if, it, if it's on somewhere, I'll find it. That, that show and The Big Bang Theory, both those shows I'll watch over and over and over and over again. Can I have a book? You bet. What book do you want? Oh, I have to go to the bookstore. Okay. Yeah, I have to go on the shopping list. Okay, well, um, because I gave you a question that you knew the answer to, to which you knew the answer, my purity comes out. Um, I have a whole bunch of shows. What would you like? I don't know. You like it? Do you like interview shows? You know what I got in? And it's crumbed up a little bit, but I know you've got equipment that can fix it. I've got some BBC interviews about Benny Goodman and Gene Krupa. And when I say interviews, it's mostly commentary interspersed with examples of their work. And when they got to Gene Krupa, I almost came out of my chair, and I am not a jazz person. I do not listen to jazz. So I have that set. If you would like that set... You know, I think I would. Walden, would you like that set? You bet. Okay, yes, I would like that set. You would like that set. I think that'd be fun to have. I don't think I have it. I have a ton of BBC stuff I haven't looked at yet, but I don't think I have that. I just found it. How could you have it? You know what I just came across yesterday? The BBC did a wonderful 30-minute interview with Peg Lynch about three years ago. Uh, It was 2004. Yeah. Is it that far back? Yep, I have it. Yeah. It's quite good. It really is. Daughter is in it. Yeah. Uh, and it, I forgot what it's called now, but it was yeah, it was done in 2004. And, yeah. And it was wonderful. That's when she talked about there was just some senator in Massachusetts who wanted to take her out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 
<laughs> and she said, I'm not interested. I'm too busy working on this radio show. And he was a big fan of this radio show. His name is uh, Kennedy. So she could have been the first lady of the United States because he loved Ethel and Albert. Wow. I'm actually kind of afraid to play it because I assume it's still copyrighted by the BBC. Oh, well. Yeah. Oh, well. We'll, we'll figure some way. Yeah, because I mean, it was really, really good. It really was. She's another name I need to talk to. I, I talked to her a few months ago, but we talked about doing an interview. We haven't done it. Yeah. I'm so far behind. I have a list as long as uh, two of my arms <laughs> of people I want to interview. Oh, we're picking them up and weighing them down. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Okay, Goodman and Krupa, you got them. Cool. Thank you. My pleasure. Yeah, thank you. I'll be uh, I'll be looking for them when you get around to it. <laughs> you, know, you know what happens when you tell me when you get around to it. Poor Larry got uh, Christmas music about three weeks ago. Well, at least, he's, at least your time when you're ahead of schedule. Well, actually, it, it wouldn't have been so bad except you promised them to me in 2010. <laughs> you know what? You're going to get punished for telling <laughs> you, you know, our lovable... I could have blamed it on the post office. I know, but our adorable Patricia last week... Mailed out 125 CDs. I know. Isn't that amazing? And the post office said, thank you. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> they did. And most of them went without postage. Ah. A lot of them went without postage. <clears throat> and a lot of them went with recycled postage. I yeah. Oh, do you do that? Pardon? You do that? Well, we've got this thing going. I'm waiting for Nolan to send me the envelope. He's going to put something in it. Right. Nolan and I have been sending an envelope back and forth for about two years now, and the thing looks like it needs mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. It is just dreadful. I mean, it's, it, it, it needs reinforcement. It, it, it doesn't stand up. It's one of these nice, puffy manila envelopes that, you know, they're sturdy and they stand up straight. Well, this poor little thing, you know, it just kind of oozes into the counter when you stand it on end. And uh, the stamps are fine. Wow. So we just keep, this is our game, you know, we keep putting a CD in for each other. So I've got a couple to send back when he sends it to me. We figured that it is probably on its 32nd trip when it comes back from him this time. No wonder the post office is in such trouble. Oh. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's just incredible. So it'll be number 33 when it goes out from me. See, I can't do that because I'll never know if the stamps are actually canceled. I've got CDs to send still to Stuart Canaan and Joan Benny and people that we interviewed and some people that you interviewed <laughs> that I have to get them to. <laughs> but I, I emailed people the last couple of days and I said, I'm behind, but I'll get them out. You're a good guy. Yeah. Anyway, I should let you go back to um, whatever normalcy is so somebody else can tune in. Very cool. Thank you for calling. You're welcome. Talk to you soon. Catch you later. Take care, Larry. Bye. The one and only Larry Jasmine calling in. Gosh, we got, we had a bunch. Of, we have our monthly drawing. We have some new people for the monthly drawing that called in tonight already from Mike and Philadelphia and Chad and Larry Jasmine. So our uh, our uh, monthly drawing name list is getting big. Hello there, you on here? Yeah, it's Kurt. Hello, Kurt. Kurt. Yeah. Hello. Hi. Um, first of all, um, I, I hope Larry's still listening. Um, 
I have tried to download that Columbia workshop that I told you about from the uh, Internet Archives. Mm -hmm. I've tried to download it all week, and I cannot get. It's 5.6 gigs, and I cannot get a copy that will uh, that will you know close the disk and do what it's supposed to do. It always says this this archive is damaged or whatever. Uh, however, a couple interesting things: the the escape. Uh, OTRR set is up on the Internet Archives. Mm -hmm. It's 11 CDs worth, um, and I put it on a uh, I put it on an 8 gig uh, uh, DVD blank. It has all of the shows. The only show that is abysmal in quality is Green Splotches, which nobody has apparently. Mm. And. Um, but the rest of the shows sound really good. It is the best sounding overall escape that um, that I've heard. That's good news. Yes, it is very much worth uh, downloading. Uh, also, if you're downloading, um, don't trust the individual files sets that OTRR puts out because they put out an OT they put out a set of the. The, uh, the Pacific story, and uh, there were a lot of files left out of it, and so, you know, don't don't trust the individual files. Mm. Uh, the, the regular whole program is worth downloading for that if you're going to do it. And I found a, yesterday I found, I, I went to the Internet Archive site, and I came across a series um, called Europe Confidential, and it's narrated by uh, Basil Rathbone, and it's mystery stories. And so That's, there's some interesting stuff out there. I sound right down Patricia's alley. Yeah. So at least it's in it's it's something else that he you know mm -hmm. he, that he narrates. Kurt, which of the Columbia shows are you trying to download? It says when you go up there, it says Columbia Workshop, and it says like. If you go up on the if if you go up to internetarchive.org and you and you what I do is I put in audio for the kind and radio shows and then I put in Columbia Workshop. Mm -hmm. Well, there is a couple that'll come up and it's right before the one that says Orson Welles on Columbia Workshop. Well, I have a list of um, CBS Radio Workshop. Not CBS Radio Workshop. This is Columbia Workshop, which was early. I understand that. What I'm saying is when you click on Columbia Workshop, a whole list of stuff comes up, and it's it only begins with Columbia Workshop, and then the rest of them are CBS uh -huh. Workshop. So that's let me see if that's where the, the works got gummed up here. Um, Columbia Workshop has – hold on. I'm, I'm working with one paw here. Hold on. Yeah, because the number that I came up with in this set is 321 shows. Uh -huh. Okay, well, the, the Columbia Workshop folder that's up here has only 63 shows. So. It has only what? 63 shows. Okay. There's another one up there, up on the Internet, if you internetarchive.org site that has like six. Yes, that's right. That's right. That's That's another, that's another one. This is like I think it's Columbia period workshop. If you um, 
because even like I said, I put in Columbia Workshop. All right. Well, let me, let me fool around with it and see what I. Anyway, but it comes up. It comes up like it's 5.6 gigs worth of shows. There's no. There's nothing up here that comes close to that. Okay. Well. Um, I'll have to figure out if there's a way that I can send you, you know, a, a proof of that or, or something. A link. Oh, and it, it's, it's not a matter of proof. I'm, I'm saying what I'm bringing. Yes, right. No, yeah, I understand. Um, <laughs> have the Columbia Workshop programs were there? I don't know, actually. Um, I put them over, I think, I think they're missing episodes. Because, because I actually went up and looked at Jerry Hendigas' list of what he's selling. Uh-huh. Yesterday, and there's a lot of shows that that are not on his list that are in this bunch, and so I don't know whether he just doesn't have them or you know what the deal is. Maybe he hasn't updated them or something. Right. Yeah. How many are floating around, Walden? Do you think? Well, I would say I would say about fifty or so. It'd be my guess. So that's that's what I've got in front of me. Yeah. So the 63, the 63 that you're seeing is probably about what you're going to find in most places. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but like when I went up to internet dot, internetarchive.org, mm-hmm. okay, and then and then I click on audio, and then I click on radio shows, and then then I search for Columbia Workshop. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then it comes up with like three or four different different choices uh, in the internetarchive.org site. You've, you've got Columbia Workshop, and then the second listing that says Columbia Workshop Drama OCR Old Time Radio. I mean, it's just all gummed up in the in the title here. And both of them, let me see here, Columbia Workshop. Hold on, that one is straight workshop. And. This is Yesterday USA. The pause is sponsored by... Pause. Sponsored by... Yeah. Kennel Ration. There, there are 63 shows up here, Kurt. Okay. Well, that's interesting because... Now, see, on my... Uh, uh, when I do that, I also pull up a thing that says Orson Wells on, on Columbia Workshop. Uh-huh. Which I assume you're not seeing that either. No. So let me see if. Well, let me, let me see what I can do. Okay. Um, yeah. And it's, figure this out. Anyway, I have I have tried numerous times to download because one of the shows was, and I cannot remember the, which show it was. I was listening to a mass of these last week, and one of them was a show with Dame May Whitty, and it it just stops a few minutes into the show. And so I was going to try to go back and see if I could. And Walden, did you listen to that other one, the Leap Year show? Yeah, not yet. I uh, got sidetracked. I was going to play it. Yeah. Um. And I if hopefully I got time, I'll play it tomorrow night. It's just it's just a funny show. Yeah. I mean, it's it's funnier for insiders of radio, yeah. of course. Yeah. I don't think the general audience, and I think this is kind of part of the problem in some of Corwin's stuff, because Corwin wrote it. I think some of the. The, the general audience, 90% of the audience, is not going to like this show especially. Uh-huh. The other 10% of people that, that really know radio and know who these people are and what yeah. they usually do, yeah. I think, are going to find it very funny. But anyway. Perfect. Um, let's see. Um, health-wise, this week, um, well, I haven't gotten the form filled out, so I'm, but they wanted me to be off my chemo anyway, so... Didn't do that, but I, in the, about Monday or Tuesday, I started having trouble with my teeth, and and um, so 
and I was running out of my pain pills. So I went to the doctor and said, you know, here's a problem because my teeth, when I drink stuff, if I drink, you know, cold water or something, it doesn't hurt when I drink it. But about five minutes later, it gets better, you know, that quickly during the day and that, that, that you notice. Usually, you know, it takes like from one day to the next. Yeah. And so I was real happy about that. And of course, happy that I don't have to go to the dentist on Monday to have a tooth pulled, which I, you know, obviously don't want to do. So basically, I'm, I'm you know, doing better and um, um, went through all of the, I put in OTR for the, um, for, uh, in the uh, um, internetarchive.org. And I looked at all the all the files. Hmm. I found a forty episode um, set of Whispering Streets. Now, yes, which unfortunately is mostly in very bad sound. Right. Um, but and one thing I did not know, because I thought it was like it was mostly Kathy Lewis, and it apparently, at least in this forty episode, it's not Kathy Lewis. It's Betty Davis. Betty Davis. Uh huh. And I guess there are some Kathy Lewis. But, yeah, there um, are. The, the Christmas show is Kathy Lewis. Uh, Hope Winners World, they had three different hosts on that series. And Kathy Lewis is probably my favorite of the three, of the three gals. But. Yeah. Well, somewhere there's got to be better better quality copies of those. And I, I also found the show um, which uh, Peter Laurie... Uh, I can't remember the name of it. It was Murder or something that, it, that he was in. Um, on the Mystery of the Air program? Not the No, not the Mystery in the Air. Uh -huh. No, this was a, a different program, and a lot of them were the military, with Howard Duff doing the... Doing oh, the, uh, yeah, yeah, the one that he did sort of the hosting of, and they bring in other mysteries and detective shows in it. Right, yes. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. And so, I mean, and Mystery Clinic, there were six of those. I don't know how many are out there of those. Mm -hmm. But um, I found some interesting stuff. And I, and I found, and I don't understand this, um, I can't remember the name of it, because it's nowhere in the show is anybody identified. I figured out that, with, that they were old Loman and Barkley skits. Love of My Life, it's called. Okay, and there's there's a lot of those shows. I mean, not the beginning and not the end, and you never know, you know. It just picks, it just starts somewhere and then goes and goes and goes and then stops. Hmm. But I figured out that it's Loman and Barkley, but nowhere are they identified. I just happened to remember hearing the show. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That the, that 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 had who it had to be. Yeah. Uh, I mean it's it's a very I mean it's a funny sh I mean it's definitely a parody on on soaps, and it's definitely definitely different than paper plates, mm -hmm. which was funny in its way as well. Sure. But um, anyway, this one was a total surprise to me. Wow, good stuff. So, yeah, yeah, so interesting stuff. And also, I looked at this, some of the singles and doubles collection that uh, the Internet Archives has, and they had some interesting stuff in there, too. So there's a lot of a lot of weird stuff that's that's out there, <laughs> and a lot of times, you know, not especially well identified. Sure. But uh, yeah, very interesting stuff. Anyway, if anybody sees that, when you download the, that Columbia Workshop set, it says it says something like 
Columbia Workshop 194 or something for some reason. Uh, sometimes, Kurt, and I'm not telling you anything new, I, I recognize that. Sometimes you'll get some real upload problems. Right. Whoever uploaded them either garbage up and combined too many files, or there is something wrong with the file and you're getting 8, 10, and 12 sets trying to come down at the same time in a zip file. And it's the same thing, but it's 10 times. Well, like I said, in this case, in this case, I mean, we're talking about we're talking about a total of about 321 or so shows. And I mean, so so like I said, it's about 5.6 gigs, but you will be surprised at how many shows because there sure is a heck of a lot more shows than I never knew. And, you know, I'd have to look at a log. I haven't, I, I didn't actually look at the original uh, at, at logs that Jerry's got up there for the show. But I mean, there was just a huge amount of material that either that may or may not actually have belonged in in the, in that called Columbia Workshop, but they had either somebody spliced Columbia Workshop name on them or or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, either misnamed or you've got the same show with two and three different names. Right. Well, in this case, as far as I as far as I can tell, if they were repeats, um, it was a question case of where there were repeats with different. It's like, you know, having repeats of Fall, Fall of the City, one with Orson Welles and one with Burgess Meredith. So they were legitimate repeats, if that's, if that's what they were. Yeah. So, but anyway, it's very interesting, and, um, um, you know, like I said, a lot to listen to. Are you ready? Yep. Who is Speed Riggs? Excuse me? Who was Speed Riggs? Speed Riggs? R-I-G-G-S. Well, I've I've heard of Speed Gibson, but I never heard of Speed Riggs. Very famous in radio. Oh, Walden, I think I got him. I know. Had a career in radio and in broadcasting for over 30 years. Now, Walden. Speed Riggs. Um, All right. It doesn't ring a bell. Oh, I think that's a, such a oh. good one. I think that's such a good one. We should keep that one open for anybody. Yeah, yeah. That's a good it's, one. I mean, that's. I've been in, I've been collecting shows since since the seventies, and I don't think actually we could even make it tougher, Patricia. We could actually give it full name and even try to have people figure figure what that is. No, we don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Why would we want to do that? Good to make it tougher. How can it be tougher? We already gave Speed Rick. I know, but his 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 his, his born Christian name was Lee Aubrey. Riggs. So that's the next question. Okay, no, I've, I it doesn't ring a bell at all. Okay. Poor, poor Kurt, he's out. There. It doesn't. No, it, it usually you know if something. What are these people talking about? I know. Okay, well I will give you the second one that I pulled for today. Okay. Second one is which character did Richard Crenna play on Miss Brooks? Uh oh. You got me on a Richard. You got me on a Miss Brooks <laughs> question last time. I think. <laughs> but I don't think it was this question. No. Uh, no, I really don't know. Because I don't. I don't. I I kind of skip Nor- uh, Miss uh, Miss Brooks when it comes on, and I, I so I don't really know the name of the high school kids. Uh, Still, my little heart. Yeah, I, that's funny because. Okay, what's the breakfast of champions? Well, we know. Yeah. 
I'm being kind here. Yes, I know. I know. I understand you're being kind. Have <laughs> yeah, you? Of course, it's Wheaties. Tried with 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 the fruit and the and the and the cream, cream. on top. Have you tried cream Wheaties? on top? Right. The Did they ever mention sugar? All that they ever mentioned? Yeah, sometimes. Their commercials. Yeah. It seemed like it seemed like oh, they went the health food route. Well, see, originally, and I I don't know if if it's because. I don't know when sugar became, when when granulated sugar became uh, really popular, so plentiful, plentiful that that you would put. No, it must have been because. Um, well, if you think about sugar reaction in the in, during World War Two. Yeah. Hmm? When did when did we get, did we get sugar right away after the war? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how long. If you because uh, I was surprised at how long stuff was rationed after the war too. I will tell you uh, just a minute. It's good. It's good for gasoline. Yeah, right. <laughs> I do have I do have rationing information. Hold on. They always, they, uh, yeah, the, the crooks love to put it in gas tanks. I know. No, I don't know. I I don't know why. And you know, here's another why why is brown sugar in a cube? Or I mean, not no. You have cube sugar. Cube sugar, yeah, but yeah. cube sugar is the same it's, as... It's granular, you're right, I was just trying to think... Cube sugar is the same as as as, as regular sugar, uh, yeah. except it's in a cube, and I think... You think they do, they, and you always feed horses with cube sugar. Yeah, well, and actually... And well, it's pretty hard to feed a horse with a, with a, some sprinkles in your hand. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think you take a spoonful, to, spoonful of sugar to help the medicine go down? Yeah, well, yeah, but it's... I don't know. I don't know why they, because um, I don't know, and I don't know if a cube of sugar is exactly a teaspoon. I would guess, but I don't know. I would think it'd be more, wouldn't you think? I don't know. Like, it'd be a big spoon. June, June 1947, the United States ended sugar rationing. Wow. That's, uh, yeah, that's a long time. Yeah. Two, almost two years after the war was yeah. over to end rationing is that, you know. Things. So, so a kid had it had to make sure to eat the fruits and yeah. cream on sugar it, on cereal. Sugar was not readily, That's why. So it's because they weren't. Re but even before the war, there wasn't much much mention of sugar. And I think, and I think yeah. the only reason that people started. I you know I was fascinated. Remember, I think we all read them as a kid. The Perry, uh, Perry Home books. Uh, yeah, little house, house in the prairie books. And remember what? As a kid, I was fascinated how they she described um, candy. You know, maple. I, I think it was maple syrup, maple yes. sugar, and things like that, and molasses, and all those types of things. Well, because they didn't, because they didn't have a way to take the sugar out of the sugar cane and make it into, and make it in. I don't know when that actually started, but I can. I can remember um, our babysitter went to her to see her family in, in Vermont and came back with, with maple candy that, uh, for, that she bought, you mm -hmm. know, where they were doing the, 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 you know, getting the maple syrup. And so, I, I, like I said, I don't know when they actually started putting sugar out in bags and cubes and like that, but I think... Um, I think the idea was that originally that you you know didn't need the sugar and stuff on the cereal, and if they didn't have it, they wouldn't miss it. And so they started coming out in the in the late 40s and 50s, and sure. early 50s, 
and from then on with with cereal that it already had sugar in it. You know, you you, you were just talking about maple syrup. Yeah. What makes syrup so thick? Is it the is it the sap from the tree? Well, what? yeah, they render it down a number of times. They um, they take until it's they thick. they take the sap and they they I don't know how many how much actual sap it takes to make a given amount of maple syrup, but I think it actually takes quite a lot. Huge amount, yeah. Yeah, and so that's why it's so expensive because. Um, and I don't know what they do. I don't know if there's any use for the... It must be a heating process, I guess. Oh, it is? Yeah, I would think so. I, I, I've, seen, I've seen things, I've, documentaries on, on making of it, but I don't remember at this point um, how many times they have to render it down. But I know that, like you said, it, that it's, you know... I get thinking one of Patricia's favorite shows, a film game Molly show, where he tried to make his own maple syrup. Remember that, Patricia? Oh gosh, yes. I was listening to that in the car on the way up. Were you? <laughs> and it makes me laugh. He's got this bitten brace, and and he's saying, "I can't get in the tree." And Molly says, "Dearie, if you turn it to the right, it might work." The drill wasn't even going in; he was turning it backwards. Yeah, that'll, that'll do it. And then you got into the tree, and he's saying, "Bring the buckets, bring the buckets," and they waited and waited. Plunk. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. Of course, they only they only produce syrup in certain areas in America. So, you know, you can wait a long time and nothing's going to happen. That's a good point. Do we have maple syrup um, in other places besides Vermont? I don't know, actually. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember hearing about it being produced in any other places. You don't. But uh, anyway, um, so... But yeah, that's, that brings up some interesting interesting questions. Uh, I've, I've got, hold on, nine steps to make syrup. Um, 40 gallons. Who would ever guess this was going to be a topic of the tonight's show? Well, oh, look at that poor tree all dressed up in, in buckets. Um, let's see, maple syrup has been enjoyed. Yes, we know that. How much does it take? Steps. Step number one, make sure your trees are ready. <laughs> Yes. Well, see, that's... That's step number one. This is going to be good. Okay, select the trees. That's step number two. Oh, perfect. Now, look at this. It does make sense now. There are many different kinds of maple trees. Various types have different sugar content. The higher, the better. The sugar maple has the highest sugar content. There really is a maple tree called the sugar maple. What do you know? The maple tree has a distinct pointed leaf. Well, we know that. All right. Um, purchase taps. Tap the tree. Wait, we got to get to the sap, folks. Let's see. Attach a container. Boil the sap. Here we go. Here we go. Syrup is made by removing the water from the sap. Sap to syrup is approximately 40 to 1. Therefore, 40 gallons of sap will make one gallon of syrup. Wow. See, now now you know why it's so expensive. Wow. Knew it was a huge amount. Wow. I mean, I don't even know how many trees it takes to make 40 40 gallons to to get your one gallon of syrup. You got to think of more than one tree. Oh, of course. That's what I mean. I mean... More than one tree, and uh, it takes a very long time, and it's only one time during the year when they, they say the sap is running. Right. Heard that expression? Yep. Walden? Well, uh-uh. I have not heard that one. 
Yep, when the sap is running. No. It's in the springtime when the thaw has started and the sap is moving in the trees. I never knew that expression. I'm a West Coast yep. kid. Hey, we're up. We're 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 gonna get up there when the sap is running. <laughs> Meaning we'll be there in the springtime. Ah. You didn't know how no. it was. Well, you 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 you're a New York gal. You know those Northeast stuff. Yeah, it's it's um, it, but yeah, forty to one. That's that's amazing. Yeah, that makes it obviously very labor intensive and very expensive. Well, the poor trees, it's labor intensive. That's right. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like bleeding. Uh huh. Yeah. Yep. Poor tree. Yeah, it is. Wonder how much. How much sap you can take from a tree before you kill it? Yeah, I don't know, and I and I also don't know how they know how how much to to take off. And also, just think, who in the, who in the world spent the whole, their life trying to figure out the maple syrup content? Well, it's I mean, obviously, it becomes it becomes an experimentation process, and you know, you you think about how that probably would have got would have happened. You know, somebody noticed that. My guess would have been the Indians. I don't know. Who, the who, question has always been, who was the poor person who discovered that rhubarb stalks are fine, but the leaves are not? Oh, that's a good point. Yes. Do not yes, make... That's those, those are the kinds of things that you yeah. you wonder, you yeah. know? Exactly. Yeah. I'm waiting for somebody to ask me what the temperature is. The temperature where you are, you mean? Yeah, where I am, right this very minute. 68. <laughs> 28. You're kidding. I'm not kidding. Wow. I'm in pain. Patricia, <laughs> Patricia is freezing, freezing. I can imagine she is, yeah. Nah, I think she, 28 she, she could, she's, really gonna, she's really thinking about moving up north for the winter. Difficult to believe in Florida that it gets to 28 degrees. And, it, and it's going to be 21 by the time morning rolls around. Wow. Wow. That's... It's, it's, in, that's the way up, up at... Um, in the north end of the state, we'll, we have to clarify this, uh, for the Chambers of Commerce down in the southern area. Patricia's doing a remote broadcast. Patricia's doing a remote broadcast tonight. Are you still in Jacksonville? I'm, I'm, I'm back here, yeah. Yeah. Oh. I was here last week, too, wasn't I? Uh-huh. Oh, yes, I'm still here. I'll have to ask, I'll have to ask my brother, because... God, it must be hell going to work when it's when it's that cold out, you know. To take a bus and just, you know. Because well. at least when when I'm waiting for the bus, they come directly to the to the house and they're sitting in front of the house and you don't have to walk anywhere. You just walk out on the bus. But I'd have to. I would hate to have to cross a few streets and then and then get the bus it's if it's windy. you know 20, 20 something degrees out there. There's, there's always a wind here. Oh, yes. Yeah. Really surprised. But they've got the St. John's River that runs right through the middle of everything. And you get always get a wind off a river. Yeah. So uh, guess who's not going anywhere tonight? No. I think you're, well, you, how can you? You're on here. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'm needed. I'm you are, yeah. You have to be, you have to be Sunday Patricia and, mm -hmm. and Saturday Walden, yep. uh, which sounds like a rock song in there. Somewhere. I know. Well, there would, there would be Crosby Sunday, Monday, and always. And Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yep, yep. I'll take the always. And always. Yeah. It's a bass song. Okay. Well, let me see what I can do about capturing the... Um, yeah, if... You can come across the link. If you can get to the link you're trying to download... You know the the page of yeah. If I can actually, if, yeah. If I can actually find a way to 
to send it to you. Um, because it's weird that if you do the same steps and you don't get the same stuff that I get, I'm really kind of surprised about that. Patricia is a full-service radio host. She takes care of Service the family. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, That's sir. for sure. Yes, sir. Yes. What other radio show... Saturday, pers- Saturday Sunday. Yes. yes. What other radio family gets as much love and care from Patricia than anybody else? Oh, that's true. That yeah, for true. sure. That is true. I'm resigning. <laughs> <laughs> See, you give her, you give her compliments, and she returns to leave. I'm just. <laughs> She's afraid something's coming from, coming from behind. Where do I submit my resignation? <laughs> I don't know, cause I don't know if Bill Bragg's up at this hour. I'm not sure Bill knows we're here. <laughs> well, he knows Walden's there. Yeah, Walden doesn't go away. But Walden's here, and I, I, I know his wife knows you're, we're here. Uh huh. But yeah. I don't know whether he does. That's true. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're the worst kept secret. <laughs> yeah, we're heard all over the internet stuff for yesterday USA main headquarters. That's right, poor Janet. This <laughs> 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 between us and the world. <laughs> oh, dear. Yep. Uh, okay, well, let me see what I can do with the uh, Columbia workshop and what kind of information I can pull. To okay, yeah, that'd be, that would be worth, you know, worth knowing what the book sources say about it. Yeah, because I, I know I pulled some down. And I thought I pulled down everything that was available. I mean, uh, a prednisone, um, what do they call it, like a dose pack for five days or six, and antibiotic. Wow. And I started taking that Thursday. Well... Thursday night, I woke up when I had bad pain and I drank water and stuff, which made it hurt um, in the usual fashion, and I didn't go back to sleep. But yesterday during the day, um, as the day went by, by the, by the time it got to be dinner time, and I drank something, it didn't hurt at all. And it's been, you know, like that today. And of course, there I mean, I'm sure they're Columbia workshops because, you know, because uh, I only found one or two shows that were defective, and I don't know, and the rest of them, you know, I mean, there's even... You haven't listened to 300-plus shows. I, I actually, I, I went through them. I tried to go through them all and listen to them, at least part of them. And I, you know, I put my, I put my, um, the stream on double, double speed, and I listened to, you know... Yeah. And so... Well, see if you can get, a, you know, capture a link. Yes, I'll see what I can do. Yeah. I'll see what I can do. We'll get it sorted out. Okay. Oh, we have to decide uh, what we're going to add for that the, that pity question that you gave me. <laughs> All right. Um, do you have any, um, any Superman? Yeah, I do. Superman. I do, I do, I do. Let me put you. If you lose me, it's only because I'm crunching a phone. I, I, I guess I should tell, huh? Uh huh. You want, should we tell? I, I think the family should know what happened. We almost what happened to our Patricia on Monday. Oh. Totaled her car. Oh no. Oh yes. You're kidding. How did you do that? You didn't know. You don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I, I, I hope it. Well, I'm sure it was insured because you think ahead, so I'm sure it was insured. But 
I'm sure the person who hit me is not. Um, but anyway, I'm sitting here with a with a wounded paw. Uh oh. Big time. She got a little thing on her paw. I've got a cast on my paw. A cast or a splint? A cast. Oh. And uh, it's only there to protect the pieces of the bone. Oh yeah. <laughs> that the orthopedic surgeon will see on Wednesday. They, yeah. they hit. They hit Patricia whole hard. Her bumper flew four four rows down. Four lanes. Four lanes. Well, that's. Uh, well, I gotta say, you're lucky. I am. Oh. Poor baby. Oh, my poor Toyota. It's gone. I mean, it's it's toast. Yeah. But um, it just broke my heart. I loved that car, but she did exactly what she was supposed to do and protected me. Yeah, well, that's good. I mean... It's the worst I got, and I know where I got it. Um, so, you know, one bone out of a demolished car is pretty good. Yes, yeah, yeah I agree. Well, I hope it's... I, I hope there's, you know, you're not feeling too bad otherwise or, you know, whatever. Oh, it doesn't hurt. The worst of it is that the cast is so darn annoying. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and I learned how to tie my shoes, but I don't think I should have had to learn so hard, you know. Yeah, that's, that's... Well, if it does its job until you see the orthopedic surgeon on Wednesday and then, you know... Um... And I can stop tripping over my shoelaces. Yeah. I did a good job. I, I, I really did a good job. I, I tied them today, and I was so happy. And it took me less than 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I thought, this is such a good job, I'm going to put a double knot in it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Just to make sure my baby feet don't fall off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I've got double knots in my shoes, and I, I'm considering, you know, I mean, cowboys die with their boots on, and they, they went to bed with their boots on. Uh-huh. So I've got all my shoelaces tied. So you're not going to take your shoes off tonight? Yeah, I'm wondering about going to bed with my shoes on. What do you think? Well... Well, I, I like to have fresh socks. It's going to be hard to have fresh yeah. socks. Yeah, that would be a, the, the socks would be a problem. Yeah. It, it's going to be rough in the shower tomorrow. Uh, yeah. Wash, wash. Wash, wash, wash. Wash, wash. Yep, that's true. No, I think... In, 20, in 21 degrees, I'd, I'd be walking on Fred Flintstone ice blocks. Well, I think, I, he, I, I think we need to go get Velcro for Patricia. I think I'd better just take my shoes off. Yeah, I think so. I think you'll end up doing that. Practice makes perfect. I have <laughs> yeah. Out which fingers I can wind one of the ends around. You know, it's pretty creative. It's just frustrating, you know. Oh yes, yeah, I know what you mean. Okay, Superman, it is. Okay. All right. Well, if I come up with anything else of interest, but like I said, the, the really good news is that that escape set is really worth um, is really worth going after the OTRR, and I just did. Um, I think I just typed in OTRR escape in search because, and and came across it. And like I said, it's very much worth having. Yeah, it's a wonderful show. And um, like I said, for for only, uh, I was also really surprised that it's, it is certified as complete. And so they have all the shows except that Green Splotches sounds it sounds terrible. But since I have not heard a good copy of it um, anywhere. I have to assume that that's all anybody can find, and it's almost listenable. I mean, it really is awful, but it, but at least all the shows are physically there. For reason. Yeah. So anyway, if I come up with anything interesting, I will let you know. Um, okay. Wait. Okay, Kurt. Thank you. Oh, talk to you guys later. You bet. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right. You can call 714-545-2071 and talk to the adorable one-paw Patricia. 
One paw. One paw. One paw and tied shoes. Yeah. I do need credit. You know, every warm is a pullover with leaves that do not accommodate a cast. Uh-huh. You have been learning your trade from buttons to showers to tying shoes this week. You got it. Hello there. You're on with one paw. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, well, if, you know, who knows? He may win one of the primaries yet. <laughs> I did. I haven't seen how Maine turned out. Who won Maine tonight? Uh, Romney. Ah, okay. Okay. Romney won Maine. You and Ron Paul plays second. He's been getting quite a few seconds. That's what number two or three for for Mr. Paul. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, and I, I guess Santorum and Gingrich were. Either, I can't remember which one was third or fourth. I think I think Santorum was third. Okay. And Gingrich fourth. Of course, Gingrich or, from what I understand, neither Gingrich or. Uh, Santorum did much campaigning in Maine. I get to wait for the other stuff to roll on through. Yeah, well, who knows? of course, the one they're talking about is Super Tuesday, which yep. is March 6th. March the 6th. And whoever wins those primaries will probably have the best chance of, you know, getting the nomination. You know, uh, I was, it was, I was so fun. I, one thing I was doing, I think it must have been last week or this week, they said once the last time we had someone, an open fight in the, uh, in a convention, and you you guys remember when that was? When the last one we we had a, a, a candidate that did not lock it up? Well, the last ba the last convention that went into a second ballot was '52, I think. Right. Was that, was, wasn't that the Republican convention of Eisenhower and Taft? Yeah, it was one, but um, there was one later. '56. Well, later than that. Later oh. than that. Hold on. It was. Um. Don't tell me, okay? Okay, I won't. Patricia will plug her ears. Okay. Yeah. Oh crikey. But it was it was it was still up the grab. It was still up the grab, but they decided once a certain candidate made a, a certain speech. Sixty. Waiter. Um, Bob Bob Dole went toe to toe with somebody. Who did he go toe to toe with? Well, he ran in the '96 campaign. In the '96 campaign. Well, okay. before, uh, before, what I what I was thinking of was. But Bob, um, but Bob Dole is part of the story. Oh, was it the eighty? Was it the seventy-six campaign went, when it, Dole and when it, he took the vice presidency correct. with Ford? Correct. It, it was the seventy-six with Reagan and, and Ford. Right, and Dole took the vice presidency with Ford. Because basically, Reagan nominated a moderate from Pennsylvania, and Ford, Ford, Ford decided to nominate Dole, and that swung the vote to lock Who it up. Who was the man from Pennsylvania that Reagan was? It Swiger? Uh, yes, Swiger. Richard Swiger. That's who Reagan nominated. Correct. Right? I remember listening to that the news, and I was trying to remember. That's part of the reason why I looked it up on Wikipedia, and it was interesting. Wasn't reading about the whole story of that. Yeah, months before the months before the convention, he picked him. Uh, I mean, like in June or something. Yeah, but according to this article, it happened on the floor that Reagan nominated. I I don't remember that. Well, anyway, he wanted him before the convention. Uh, yeah. That's my memory of yeah, 76. Yeah, it was fun to read the history of the 76. That's the last time they considered uh, a convention that was still up for grab. Well, our, the man I talk, just listen to on the radio occasionally, John Rothman, has been sitting in on a couple of other radio stations, and he, of course, is into political history a lot. He was speculating. He said, wouldn't it be interesting this year if at the Republican convention there was no clear person and the convention might have to be a broke you know a true convention in the true sense where someone else might step forward in, in other words to make the convention yeah, more I, I i would still i would love to see that i would like to see 
what people used to listen to on the radio, though, can and hear the speeches and have a convention really matter. Because, you know, the last, since, since at least, the certainly since the 70s, when the primaries became popular, or the late 60s, or certainly since 72, mm -hmm. the conventions are just not, except for who he picks as a vice president and maybe the acceptance speech, there's nothing really there in the convention. For example, I did not know the Iowa caucuses started in 1972. I always thought we had them forever. Yeah, and, and, and the first one that really mattered was 76, because Carter did real well in 76. Yeah. I think Reagan lost the Iowa caucus in 80, as I recall. Yeah, I think you're right. But then in 80, 84, I can't remember who won the Democratic caucus. In 88, I don't think Dukakis won Iowa, but Iowa is still significant to a lot of people. Remember, the, and I, I think Patricia finally remembered this one. Remember what Reagan said, Patricia, in the 1980 New Hampshire primary? I go out and I look for this every once in a while on YouTube. What he said, I paid for this microphone. Yeah, is that the one you're thinking of? Yeah, yep, that's the one. It's an argument with George Bush, wasn't it? Yep. He was and then they became running mates. It's just, <laughs> just weird. Isn't it weird how these things uh, work? And it's also interesting how these room, how these running mates are picked. Sometimes they're totally ideolo ideolo ideologically different, but to unite the party, like. Um, I have read that in 1960, for example, Bobby Kennedy was totally opposed to Lyndon Johnson being JFK's running mate, but it was considered essential to get Johnson on the ticket so that Kennedy had a real good chance, and he did, of course, of carrying Texas yeah. with the electoral votes and the voting. Yeah. So. Uh, but it would be interesting if this summer there was an there was a more exciting convention. Back in a minute. Okay. Patricia's going to duck out for a few minutes, and Jim and I will be talking. Yeah. Well, I was going to mention a couple of things, and you then bet. when she comes back, I can repeat them. All right. In case she misses them. One of the things. Sugar rationing did end in '47 because I have a Lone Ranger show, a network Lone Ranger show from June 30th of '47, where Kix is the sponsor. And the announcer opens the commercial says, and says, Now, Rangers, now that sugar rationing has ended, your mom probably won't mind if you have an extra spoon of sugar on your kicks. Isn't, isn't it incredible, Jim, to think that we are still having rationing thing up 47 and 48? It's just incredible to me. Well, I know there was, uh, now didn't tire rationing end in 46 or was it late 45? 46, I think. 46. Yeah. I know that, that, did gas end right after VJ Day? Yeah, I don't think gas was, I, I don't think gas was a rationing item very long. I think even through D-Day, I think it, it, it was lifted pretty quick. And when did Meatless Tuesdays end? I think it was Meatless Tuesday, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I don't know, but you remember we're still having to worry about feeding the hungry in Europe. And I wonder right, people with the Marshall Plan and yeah, all that stuff. I wonder if people were still rationing certain food just to help the people in Europe. Well, you still hear commercials from 46 and 47 about saving your fat and saving your, your you know, your uh, grease and saving your uh, food and not throwing it away. Yeah. And, get, and then you start hearing the commercials, for, or not commercials, but promotions for care. Yeah. And things like that. Yeah, remember, I think it was a big deal. Uh, a care pass, $10. You know, that was a lot of money back in the late oh, 40s. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And, and, it, and it could feed a whole... I heard a show just yesterday, I don't remember if it was yesterday or Thursday, about where care was mentioned at the end, and it said that one package could feed people, and you could you could even designate it to a Belgian widow or yeah. a uh, uh, somebody you knew in Europe, or, you know, and, and, and you would get a personal letter. 
with them thanking you. Yeah. It, I guess a lot of people did that. She back. I remember, it's so fun, and here, we, three of us are not born in this era, but it's so fun to hear appeal for uh, causes in the, on, in the old radio days, the community chess, or the different organization that came... Hmm? Red Feather. Red um, Feather. Red Feather on, on Fibber McGee and Molly. Right. And you also had, even in the 60s, you could still hear, you, you might hear some of them now, but in the early 60s, every October, you could hear on both radio and TV ads for the United Way, the United Way Appeal. Mm-hmm. And it covered a wide selection of things. Um, you always had um, uh, things like, and you know, and you still hear announcements for things like the Heart Fund. I don't know if you still, do they still advertise the Heart Fund? No, I, don't, I haven't heard about the Heart Remember, even on the old Ray Boom show, have played for new, we still hear appeal for Easter Seal, or what's, what's the one for, for cancer? Well, the American Cancer the Ameri- Society. They had their own seal, right? I think so. Well, I know Christmas. Uh, they, do they do, had, do Christmas seals even? We had Christmas seals and Easter seals. I think Christmas seals were for cancer. No, that was TB. Yeah, TB. Tuberculosis. Oh, then what was the one for polio? For, for polio? That was the March of Dimes. Okay, but did they have a seal or something? I don't know. I remember every January it was March of Dimes Muff, and that was, of course, in honor of FDR's birthday. Did, did, did little kids, did little kids get a little thing and drop in a dime? How did they do? How did they promote that? I don't remember. I just remember hearing appeals for it. I remember even after the polio vaccine was invented, I have a have gun from 1959, uh-huh. where Hugh Douglas talks about how we won the fight against polio with the vaccine, but we still the March of Dimes still needs your support to help children that are still crippled. So, and they, January used to always be the March of Dimes. January was the March of Dimes month. February was Heart Month. You know, we, they used to have Heart Sunday every February. Mm. Easter Seals was the one that Fibber and Molly used to say help cripple children. Okay. That was Easter Seals. Okay. Easter Seals. And we've still got them. We still got them. And do they still have Christmas Seals for TB? Oh, well, we don't have TB as a problem, so... Yeah, I mean, I mean, for lung problems. But why has Christmas Seal gone to something else? I mean, it was such a wonderful campaign. Well, you remember True for Consequences, that famous one from 47. Wasn't wasn't Christmas Seals involved in that one in some yeah, way? Yeah, for the Seals. Yeah. You know, and to think about, wasn't we on our honor system? Didn't they mail these things in the mail to you? And you could slip your check into it and mail it back? I mean, you got the Seals anyway, if, if I remember right. I can't remember. I know they urge you to use them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you know, it's funny too. That's one thing that's missing on radio now and TV. You don't have classic public service announcements no. anymore the way you used to. That's true. I mean, you used to have ads for the National Safety Council about safe driving. McGru- oh, remember for crime, McGruff the crime dodger. I haven't heard. I, Mc- I haven't heard him in years. I haven't heard years. McGruff, and that was a great campaign. Oh, take the bite out of crime. Yeah. yeah. You haven't heard, I, I haven't heard commercials for, uh... I'm hearing Smokey the Bear. I still hear something for Smokey the Bear. You know what's weird? They call him Smokey Bear now. And to me, it'll always be Smokey the Bear, because I even had a kitty record where the song was called Smokey the Bear, Smokey... But they changed it to Smokey Bear for some reason. It, it always was Smokey Bear. We always, we stuck the word the in there for our convenience to fit things like Smokey the Bear. Mm-hmm. Well, you remember there was a song called Smokey the Bear. That's what I... It's song about him. Okay, it's the American Lung Association, and we still have Christmas seals. All right. Okay. All right, go ahead. Ask me another. Do we have any Valentine seals? No. <laughs> I don't know. Um, 
Okay. Well, you know, I remember when polio shots were first out, like in the early, late 50s, early 60s, okay. on TV, there was this gloomy voiced announcer. He was like the voice of doom. <laughs> and he would come on the air, and I, I, I don't know if I can imitate him right, but he used to say, don't wait. Get your polio shots before it's too late. And he had this voice, there was this voice of urgency in his, in his, uh, delivery. It wasn't West Van Boise. It was in that style. Uh-huh. It was in that style. <laughs> For his 1960 Yeah. <laughs> but it worked. And it worked because, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of people, um, you know, and it was mainly adults that weren't getting their shots. It was mainly, the reminder was mainly for adults. Uh, well, now, which ones have moved to both defects? Was it the, once we discovered the well, polio? That, that would be, that would be Easter seals. I mean, so that's why we switched, isn't that why we switched, didn't, wasn't Easter seal the one that helped for polio? It helped with crippled children, yes. I'm trying to think, but wasn't one of them with polio, had, uh, for polio, did they switch it for most defects? I get uh, that. I, I, we were just talking about the March of Dimes was for polio, and Easter seals was billed as crippled children. Okay. So did the March of Dimes now for birth defects? Uh, they, in some of their commercials, they talked about preventing them, you know, yeah. trying to prevent them. Yeah. Okay, so it says Easter Steels, helping people with disabilities gain greater something or other. Right. Helping children and adults with disabilities to achieve greater independence. So that's Easter Seals. Okay. I was telling Walden while you were on your break, by the way, before I forget it, that I have a Lone Ranger show from 1947 sponsored by Kix. And the announcer at the beginning of the commercial says, Rangers, now that sugar rationing has ended, your mom probably probably won't mind if you have some extra an extra spoon of sugar on your Kix. I have heard that ad, and I don't think it was on the Lone Ranger, so Kix must... Walden, where else did Kix advertise? Um... Well, it was on, it was on uh, there was a show called Breakfast in Hollywood where it might yeah, have advertised. Yeah, no, that yeah, yeah, it. yeah, it was. Also, it was also on um, Beat the Band. Okay. Beat the Band. Um, I'm trying to think. Who, who, who makes Kicks or made? General Mills. General Mills. General Mills. Because Kicks, on the Lone Ranger, Kicks was the main sponsor at that time, and Cheerios was the sponsor at the end of the show. Okay, well, here's here's my question. Pick me. I got my hand up. Pick me. Pick me. Patricia, one Paul. Oh, thank you, Alden. One Paul. Thank you for calling on me. I know. If it's a general... Maybe he'll call your show some night. <laughs> what if he did? What if, he's an, what if you discover he's an old-time radio fan? Who? What? <laughs> What are we talking about? Me. If I call my own, if I call your show, Patricia, will you answer? Will that could, could qualify for a trivia question? Well, if you call my show, Patricia, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> See, now you understand the importance of punctuation. <laughs> I mean, you know, punctuation. I can understand capitals, like in, at the beginning of a sentence. A period, I can understand. At the end of a sentence, I can understand a question mark. I've never understood colons versus semicolons or brackets or ellipses, those kind of things I've never understood. You, do you understand the importance of commas? Commas, I, I can, like for example, if you write the date, February 12th, comma, 2012. Okay. But I've never understood like colons versus semicolons or uh, like I say, ellipsis, left bracket, right bracket. Well, we we can we can have a punctuation mark a week. 
Okay, maybe you can tell, maybe, hey, that might be a public service for radio, I mean, for Yesterday yes, USA yes, listeners yes. to say uh, we could do, like, when is when is a certain punctuation we mark be punctual. a lot of people might appreciate? We could be, yeah. punch, be punctual with Patricia. Or, or how to punctuate this sentence. Because as a writer, you probably understand it better than a lot of us do. Well, we'll take Walden's sentence as our first example. All right. Who said... Yeah, you did. Um, I did. I, if I call your show Patricia, uh-huh. without a comma, that means you're going to call my show by the name of Patricia. Right. So you're calling Patricia. Right. If you are saying I'm calling your show Patricia, uh-huh. meaning Patricia, I'm calling your show uh-huh. where a comma goes. Oh, in other words, the comma would imply that the, the name of the program was Patricia, right? Without the comma, it would it would mean the name of the program was Patricia. Hmm. With, with the comma, it sets it apart. I'm going to call your show becomes the message, comma, Patricia, Patricia. becomes the person you're saying it to. That's I right. notice when I like look at the Radio Gold Index, for example, and, and he lists the shows and he talks about... He might say Gunsmoke, February 28th, 1960, CBS Net, mm-hmm. sponsored by Colon. And then he'd mention the sponsors. Mm-hmm. Or, or he might say 1962, Colon, a television album was the name of the program. Mm-hmm. So is Colon like a, oh, I guess what I'm saying, what is a colon versus a semicolon? A semicolon is what is generally referred to as a soft period. Hey. So instead of a, a hard end to a sentence, if you want two sentences to be married to each other, you use yeah. a semicolon instead of a period. Okay, but and then a then a colon, that's a semicolon, right? That's a semicolon. And a colon? A colon, a colon has a whole bunch of uses, so we're going to have to take that once a week. Okay, we'll talk about that next week then. Okay. But um, we'll start with the colons next week. And and and, and we'll get to brackets and all those things, right? Sure. This is all those. Sure. I mean, I never, you know, I never knew. I mean, I, I've, I've, we, I'm sure I know we discussed commas and and periods and question marks and capitals in grade school, but I don't remember ever talking about ellipses or things like that. It it they were they're not common. Um, they're necessary, but they're not common. Yeah. I say necessary. I mean, they're part of our language, but you can make... Are other languages similar in punctuation, or is English... Everyone's told me that English is the hardest language to learn, read, and write compared to other languages. It's the hardest to learn because it's not a pure language. We've borrowed our words from everywhere. From the Germanic, Latin, everything. 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 And that's why spelling is so hard, isn't it? That's why spelling is so hard. And what's, what's exceedingly difficult is the number of words that we use with different applications. Like Walden and I were talking one night, I said, what did, what did I ask you? Oh, suit. Yes. What does suit mean to you, Jim? Well, you know, the, the thing about spelling, of course, is <laughs> it's always driven me up the wall are the la- when the letters are silent. Oh, yeah. But I'm, I'm asking, if I say the word suit, what comes to mind? Suit? Uh-huh. Well, there's two things. The suit you wear, mm-hmm. like pants, Right. And there's a lawsuit. Right. Or will that suit you? Exactly. So there's three suits. Right. How about charge? What's the word? Charge. Charge? Charge. Charge! 
well, there's charge. Well, well, there's the charge of, of, a, of a, an army group or a so, group of soldiers. Right. There's huh? charge at a store, like what they charge you to buy an item. Right. When a person is charged with a crime, the charge is Mom, espionage or murder or whatever. Wonderful. So there's three charges. Those are three. Are they all spelled the same? And they're all spelled the same. Also an electrical charge. Oh, right. Forgot about that. Um, let me see what else. Um, I get a charge out of you? A store will charge you, but you can charge your credit card. Uh-huh. Yeah. I get a charge out of you? Of course, because we mentioned the charge when you're when a person's arrested. I li yes, that's right. He's facing charges. I like Walden's. What did you say, Walden? I get a charge out of you. Okay. I get it. Oh. <laughs> Maybe Cole Porter, Cole Porter was still around. Maybe he could write that song. Uh -huh. He couldn't say, I get a kick out of you. Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, let's see. There's there's hair. There's the, the hair on your head. And there's the hair, the rabbit, the ha rabbit hair. Yeah. Oh, okay. So then we're into what's called homonyms. They sound the same, but they're spelled differently, and they mean different things. Right. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting. And, and, and it's... Uh, and then sometimes, there's, of course, they're spelled different than, you know, the two words. Uh, of course, the classic one is write, like the right thing to do. Mm hmm And write, writing a letter, the right, the write with a letter has a W. I want to sit down and write yourself a letter. But we'll have, we'll have a grammar lesson a week. Okay, well, that's, you know, that's a public service to listeners. <laughs> Yesterday, USA is performing a great public service. Maybe we'll I have the answer for, uh... Your two questions, one of them anyway. Yes. Uh, well, which well, I you, we can either do Armist Brooks or we can try about Speed Riggs. Let's do Speed Riggs. You know Lee Aubrey Riggs. Speed Riggs, I believe, wasn't he one of the auctioneers that did the Lucky commercials on the on Jack Benny and the Hit Parade and other Lucky Strike shows? Jim. You bet. Jim. Yeah. You got it. Now, can you go ahead and say, explain what he's trying to say? No. That I've never tried. <laughs> he does it so fast. It was my brother's favorite commercial, by the way. Hey, my, 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 my. Yeah. I've got I And it just amazed me how, I, I do understand the sold American part, but uh, the rest of it I've never been able to totally I decipher, he, I guess. Well, I think because when we read it in Dunning's book, he's quoting numbers. Yeah. And he's... Nine. Nine it seemed to be a big number in that in that whole chant. Uh yeah, well you know it's amazed me. It amazed and of course to be an auctioneer on that day of radio from WJSV, you know there's that program called Americans at Work. Yeah. Where he John Reed King interviews different auctioneers. Right. Have you heard that show? Yep. That is interesting, isn't it? Yep. The egg auctioneer, the real estate auctioneer, I forgot what some of the other things were about. I know eggs was one of them. The incredible edible egg? Oh, yeah. Okay. Bad, remember, remember that egg commercial a few years ago? Bad rap. And, of course, it showed the person, you know, because of the cholesterol and stuff, and it turned out that people said that eggs were more healthy than um, than the bad rap they'd been given. Mm -hmm. I don't know. When Anytime an egg gets whacked on the side of a bowl, I think that's a bad rap. But I never was an egg uh, fan. You know, it's funny. I'll eat cakes and pies. Or I know eggs are in a lot of things, but I never liked plain eggs. It's one of those strange things, I guess. I have yours. I like eggs. Okay, what would you like? I need a replacement for something. Uh, and uh, about a year or two he, he, ago, he, need, or he, need, he needs a, he, some time he, ago. You, he needs a blindly he, replacement, Patricia. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> she sent me the, the gun smokes, and there were like nine, ten MP3s of it. I need a replacement on number seven. There was some skipping near the end of the CD. I don't know if, if I scratched it accidentally or what, but it's the CD. It starts with April 1958, I think April 27th, up through April 19th of 1959. You know, each of the each of those MP3s was a full season. That is correct. Right. You need season seven. Seven, yeah. Was it that way on the first play? Was it oh, they, always? I don't know if that could have been the transfer, maybe, too. I don't yeah. know if the CD was damaged or... Time out, time out, time out. When you played it, was it the first time you played it? Uh, like the second, I think, or something. Okay. Or, I can't, you know, I can't remember now, to tell you the truth. can't remember. The first time it was... Okay. The first half of it works pretty good, up through, up to about January of 59. This is Yesterday USA. This pause is by the pause that refreshes. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> when did they stop using that slogan? I'm curious. I don't know. It's a great slogan. It worked for Coke for years. Yeah. I liked it better than the recent, some of the more recent. By the way, uh, the thing you were talking about maple syrup, you and Kurt earlier. Mm -hmm. I remember as a child, when we lived in the South, my parents, like in Arkansas, we used to get a cane sugar syrup called Riven Cane. Have you ever had cane sugar syrup? I think the only other syrup I can think of that I had outside, besides your normal different flavors like strawberries, is the one from Hawaii. Well, this but, is a sugar cane syrup, Riven Cane. Huh. Uh, it, what did it taste like? Well, it tastes very sweet. It, uh, isn't Cairo a sugar syrup? It's a corn syrup. Yeah. Uh -huh. oh. but it, it, it's sugar, yeah. Right, it has a totally different taste. The K-Roll would be totally different than, say, Log Cabin. Right. Correct. But, uh, um, but Ribbon Cane was made in a town that I think was Bernice, Louisiana. And it was very good. I, I seemed to really enjoy it. That was also interesting, what you were saying about um, how in the West, and like in Laura Engel's days, they did all that... Uh, Sugar, uh, the candies were like, you know, maple candy yeah. and homemade candy, mm -hmm. sugar candy. There wasn't a lot of chocolate candies and things. No. No, no, no. Nope, they were all naturals. And it's also interesting, you notice when you hear westerns, like Gunsmoke or whatever, like when Matt and Chester and Kitty are eating, you notice that more often than not, pie was, I heard pie mentioned, for, I don't think I ever heard cake mentioned. No, it was always that, pie. Is that a historical thing? Is it cake? became more popular, say, in the 20th century? Yeah, cake was an Eastern delicacy. Maybe because we had all those fruits, apples, and all those different... That's all you had. That's all you had growing in, in the West, so they used those things. The so pie would have been more... The pies they would have eaten would have been like apple pie or... Right, and you don't need eggs for a pie. You know, 
maybe I I'm just wondering here. So if maybe pie is more popular in the West versus cakes were popular in the East. Well, I noticed when they would like, and I just used that as an example on Gunsmoke yeah. and other westerns, they would be eating pie. Would you have some more pie? Oh, it's it's always pie, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Coffee and pie. Yeah. You have flour and fat and a little bit of salt for the crust. And the filling would have been what apples. Or just a plain crust with. Well, you'd make you'd make a crust. I mean, you have to have a pie crust. Right, I know, but for a yeah. filling, would you like have like a, a fruit, or would you use like a, a custard or something? No, just fruit. Yeah. Just fruit. Nobody ever made lemon meringue pie. <laughs> so green pies wouldn't have been that popular in those days, would they? I don't think so. Yeah. Wonder where you'd get the lemons from, too. I don't know, but thank you. Didn't pie crust? have shortening or whatever to make it yeah it's got lard so yeah so lard came from the cows or whatever mm -hmm. right or from pork or pig or what yeah now do you like do you prefer patricia and walden do you prefer fruit pies or cream pies i love all pies yeah but um for Walden's birthday he's generally is looking at the lemon and the rhubarb and strawberries yeah so i guess i'm i guess i'm over a fruit, a fruit person I guess Marie Callender's is still the main place to get pies. I, yes, but they've gone bankrupt. They have? I didn't know that. Yep, they have shut down a bunch of the Marie Callender stores. Well, shut my mouth. I did not know that. Yeah, it's a little, it's a, the economy's bad, everybody. When Kodak go bankrupt, Marie Callender's went bankrupt. Well, that's a shame, because that we, we used to go to the one in Long Beach sometimes. So, Places I've been to that been there forever have finally disappeared, and uh, they still have them, but they have bankrupt. I mean, just shut down a bunch of the movie calendar stores. Well, restaurants, uh, restaurants in general, I understand, have been hurting lately. I mean, uh, a lot of restaurants, like uh, I don't know if it's in receivership or reorganization. A few years ago, what was the one that served uh, meat? Was it Black Angus was having some problems? Maybe they're back in business now. Yeah, but. I don't remember even seeing they even still around. But Black Angus had problems for a while. I know that this ba now up here we used to have something called Baker Square. I don't know if they're still in business or not, but they had pies. Yeah, that's true. Did you have them down there? Yeah. Sounds, sounds like a wonderful place to visit. Yeah, it is a great place. I would but volunteer to be their taste tester. I'm, I'm a good community service person. You could help out. I could help out. Patricia, it's a yeah, you could maybe maybe you could get last for USA listeners. Reopen the pie stores. Now, I think Patricia, though. Did you ever go to, uh, no, there, was a, there used to be a place in Long Beach, too. I can remember my parents going to, went to occasionally called Polly's. They're still around. Are Polly's still around? Yeah, they have them down here. And I know they have but, a pie, a special pie each month. Oh, good. I'll, I'll help with that, too. You know, Marine County is still the best pie, and even though $7 a pie. I'll help with that, too. Patricia, you know, Patricia, uh, now I'm assuming chocolate pie with dog cake the cake for Patricia, right? I'll help with that too. <laughs> so one pie I would recommend if you if, if you ever go to a Baker Square, their French silk pie, which I guess is kind of a chocolate pie, is very good. I know they have key. Now down in Florida, you have key lime. Is key? Do you like key lime? Key lime is to die for. I love key lime. Oh my goodness! It's is it is it similar to a lemon pie? It's, no, there is nothing similar to. Mm -hmm. Nothing similar to a key lime. And lime is in it, right? 
Oh yeah, it's got. It, they're actually key limes. It's the name of the. It's a special kind of lime. It's a. It's a. It's a. It's a, it's a fruit. It's shaped. I would say like a lemon, but it has a different. Um, it's a little bit smaller. Smaller, but it has a different texture. It's right. Flavor. Mm-hmm. You know, when when you eat um, lifesavers, a green lifesaver tastes different from a yellow lifesaver. Yep. You know, when we were getting pies, shopping for pies at Thanksgiving, and we went to Safeway and their their bakery department, we could not find a mince pie. I guess mince pies just aren't popular out here, are they? No. I think they're popular anywhere. If you find one, I'll buy it from you. <laughs> I love mince meat. But they're hard to get, aren't they? They are. Is that because they're hard to make, or? They're difficult to make, and the demand is limited. They're labor-intensive, and it takes a long time to make one of those puppies. Yeah. Well, I know pumpkin is the most popular at Thanksgiving anyway, but I guess pecan is always, pecan is always up there as a popular one. I'll help there, too. Now, now, can anybody eat a pumpkin pie without Cool Whip? I have, but I but but whip, whipped cream or ice cream ha- adds something to it. Do you I prefer know. whipped cream or ice cream on your pie? It depends. I don't put anything on my pie. Really? I think ice cream goes with apple. Ice cream goes with apple pie. Yeah. Do you have it a la mode? I would have it a la mode, but I'll eat it. I'll eat it with cheese, though. Right. I always like the, the fruit pies. I always like cherry the best. That's good. I'll help with that. <laughs> Now, my dad always liked cobbler. Now, is, what's the difference between a cobbler and a pie? Cobbler has, it's, it's a cakey. Cobbler, cobbler has what? It's a cake. It's a, um, could you pod me up a little bit, Walden? Uh-huh, you bet. Um, it's, it's a cake kind of thing, right? A, a, a cake base with fruit on top. Like a peach cobbler, etc. Right. Uh-huh. It has a crust kind of, doesn't it? A crust. No, it, it it's um it bakes. It's the sugar. I think the sugar makes it crispy. Yeah. When you think, Patricia. A little bit of crisp on the top. You uh-huh. make it crisp for the top. Yes, but it does. Yeah. You know what's really good? You know when's a good time to have peach cobbler? What's that? When you go camping. Oh yeah. When you yeah, go camping, right. you make outdoor peach cobblers. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you like those fried pies, like the the uh, little pies? I guess they're fried pies. I guess McDonald's has. What? <laughs> Some of them, but I guess you used to be able to get them. A hostess made them. Are they pies? They're little pies, like cherry are, or apple. Or are they pies? Well, they call them pies. Then long like long like them if they're pies. Yeah. You know, by the way, that reminds me. I heard that another company that's been having some financial problems is Hostess. They have gone bankrupt. That's what I was just going to say. Twinkies have filed for bankruptcy. So that means, can you, I guess, can you still get cupcakes and Twinkies and snowballs and those? Twinkies, they're an American institution. Uh, are, are American eat, eating healthier? That's what they sure, claim. But yet, but yet, you know what's funny about that? They claim that, that, that they want people to eat healthier, and they're always encouraging McDonald's to put the salads up and the, you know, the, the healthy foods. But most people, when they go to McDonald's, I've never known anybody yet who just orders salad. Why would you go to McDonald's if you want a salad? Well, you know, you could. Yeah, but you don't go there for a salad. Well, I think it me. They, they're talking these Happy Meal for kids, and they're choosing apple. I never knew apple was such a big popular item at McDonald's. Well, I don't know of any kids who's. Well, you know, you know, the thing is, they want 
they want them to eat health. And you know what's really weird in California, there's the whole issue now about some school districts don't even want kids to bring certain foods for lunch, uh, certain types of sandwiches. Like, for example, peanut butter. I know because of the fear of suits over peanut allergies, they some school districts don't allow kids to bring peanut butter to, to school. Well, I tell you, my family would have protested because I can't tell you how many times I brought peanut butter sandwich to school. That would have been un-American. Today, if Sky King were on radio, they'd probably have to take it off the air because Peter Pan peanut butter would be considered dangerous. You know, I don't think I've heard a peanut butter ad on TV in years. I've never paid it. I mean, I don't watch TV that much, but you used to hear ads for Peter Pan or Jeff or Skippy. What's Skippy? Skippy. Oh, yeah. Skippy. But uh, of course, on the airlines now, they don't serve peanuts. Because of fear of, you know, reactions. They serve pretzels, I pretzels. guess. Reef, they give you directional signals to your seat, and that's it. <laughs> the world's changed. It's hard for me to keep up with it sometimes. It's changed so much. Okay. But, you know, of course, there's also stories they're going to start charging you, or they, don't, they may not want you to carry certain types of grocery bags, I guess plastic bags or something. Some stores want to change that. Mm-hmm. Like paper bags or something. Yep, we do it. The world's different. In that sense, maybe Ron Paul is right. Maybe we need to take stock of things. Help me here, Walden. Jim? Yeah? Thank you, pal. Thank you. (laughs) Well, maybe, like like I said, maybe he's listening tonight, and maybe he'll give you a call. Wouldn't that be swell? (laughs) Wouldn't that be the surprise call of the year? I can help with that. We we welcome all four all four Republican candidates to call in and the President of the United States. If they right, like to, that be, if they like to play if they like to play trivia, Patricia, we'll welcome their calls. Yeah, could you picture well, that would be something if, if Obama, yeah. Gingrich, yep. Paul, yep. Santorum, and Romney all were LTR fans. Yes, and they want to call in and, and act and play with Patricia. And maybe each of them you could ask them a question about a Mr. President episode. <laughs> Communicate here. <laughs> yeah, you, didn't you say that wasn't one of your favorite shows? What? <laughs> Mr. President? No. What was it you didn't, you didn't like the idea that the name was withheld till the end? What, what, there was something you talked about, Mr. President, once. I can't remember what you said now. I talked about Mr. President. I mean, it's, it's game playing stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't get to know who the president is until the end. I mean, good grief! This isn't a mystery. This is history. In other words, in other words, compare. Just to make two comparisons, a history lesson. You would get more, say, from a cavalcade of America episode than you would from a Mr. President episode. You betcha. Okay. You betcha. Although I will say this: Edward Arnold was good in the role. That's true. Somebody can help with that too. Well, anyway, <laughs> thank you all very much. Okay, I'll get I'll get some gun smoke out to you. And thank you for sending in what you've sent. By the way, I'm going to be getting to that this week. I'm finishing some book reading, and then I'll be getting to that. My pleasure. Enjoy. Yeah. And I and I and I, I will get to the blondies eventually. <sighs> we can't wait. My pleasure. Enjoy. <laughs> so thanks for sending that replacement when you can, and just take your time. There's no hurry. Yeah, we'll I know you've got a lot of things to do yeah. and a lot of CDs to mail, and yep. they, they probably know your face really well at the post office now, don't they? They don't even ask questions anymore. 
Behind the, behind the counter, somebody's rolling her eyes. Even that, everything is cool. Well, you, you both have a wonderful evening. Okay, okay. thanks for calling. <laughs> Thank you. My Patricia's on the, on the most wanted list down there in Fort Myers. Oh, for, or at the least one. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. You can you can speak with she with wounded paw. Yes, my Patricia. Poor paw. Su- survived a major deal on Monday. Poor paw. Good thing she's still with us. Hello, you're on with the one and only Mr. Mrs. Paul. It is a Patricia Paul Possum. <laughs> oh, Possum, yes. How do you do, sir? Congratulations. I appreciate that. All right. This is our big winner, everybody, of the month of January. Yeah, I don't usually buy anything from there, but you know, I got to looking for something right after that came, and they had it, so I guess it was appropriate. So we did. You know, Amazon, I mean. Yeah. So we did good? You done good. All right. Do I get um, Southern credit for that? Why, certainly. <laughs> now, about your wreck. Are you sure you weren't drag racing? <laughs> I was not. I got Be sure. She got nailed. Creamed. She got nailed. My poor baby. Yeah, it sounded like it. It was really bad. They just loaded up her back seat with goodies. And I, I went to make sure everything was cleaned out, and I had to get my license plate off it. And I looked in the back seat. Now, this, this car was pristine. I mean, that's the best I can tell you is that it was pristine. And I looked in the back seat where even the seat belts had not moved from the day it came out of the shop, from the, the dealership. And it is loaded with broken glass, a bumper, a headlight. I mean, just everything they scraped off the road was in the back seat. But thank goodness I was not among it. No. Yeah, that's that is. You, you were you were very lucky on that I deal. Was, I was. And I'm glad it worked out well as it did. It put me. He was probably doing fifty. Now. Oh. I got my flagpole up Wednesday. Didn't know and I got these other two wooden poles up yesterday. And it's Are you planning to sit on them? Well, buddy, I'll tell you something. I've done it many a time <laughs> like it. Um, I've had to do it putting up antennas years ago. Oh, yes. It ain't no fun. I bet. You know, of course, these can... are so big on top, um, you know... It ain't a problem, but they put we put um, roofing cement on top of them to keep water out of them, and I believe you might be stuck there for a while if you tried that stunt. Okay, I wonder how high were they off the ground in the 20s when they used to be that with the rays, just sitting on a, on a flagpole? I don't know. Now, I never sat on a flagpole. I've sat on telephone poles. Uh-huh. Um, Is this a guy? Sitting on a flagpole, I... Yeah, you don't hear about females doing that, no. No, this is a guy thing we're talking about, huh? Sitting on. Oh, you can do it too. (laughs) I don't see how they'd sit on a flagpole, but on a wooden pole, I can see that. The only way they could sit on a flagpole would have a a bracket of some kind to sit on because they couldn't do it. Yeah, the rump might be all sore, wouldn't they? 
Do what? The rump might be a little sore. Yeah, it sure would. Oh, I got a cute one about the flagpole. The guy that said it and that I got it from, his brother-in-law called him down there a while back to set a homemade flagpole in his front yard. And he had welded, you know, sections of pipe together and homebrewed him one. And he started to pick it up. And the guy hard at him and said, wait, just, I got to get the ball to go on top of it. He came back with a, a ball, a float valve ball like you would have in the back of a commode. <laughs> he said he liked to crack up. It looked like a dried up prune on it. <laughs> well, anyway, yesterday we were going to breakfast and we we go down that road anyway, but you know, we hadn't been looking for such a thing. But we went past the guy's house and sure enough, it is still there and it's got that float ball on top of it. Funny. That's funny. That's what you use for a nose when you drive your car around dressed up like a mouse. Okay, I guess that'd be as good as anything. Uh-huh. But anyhow, it's just, it's been a hard work. I had eight antennas to assemble. I had the H-frames to feed all the harness cables through and all that junk, trying to get ready for them before they got here. And it, uh, it's been a rough week, but I got them done, and they're in the air. I just got to get the feed lines on them and lined up, and I'll be done with them. Am I having deja vu here, or did you hoist a flagpole last year? No. No, 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 no. I've had that flagpole out there since back in the summer. I think you were... But I hadn't got it up. Yeah, I think he... But I didn't want him to come just to set that, and I was trying to get the two wooden poles ready to go, and... It's just drug out a long time. I, I can't hold out to work very long. And like those wooden poles, it is work, or it is for me. Um, I mean, I had to put steps in part of it. Uh, they're not all the way down the whole length, but you have to drill holes and then take a sledgehammer and drive the steps in uh, because it is just murder trying to do it once the thing is up. I had to... Put the mass brackets on, um, eye bolts for two messenger lines that run between the poles, um, a ground down the pole and attach it at the bottom. You know, you do a, a coil at the bottom and attach it to the bottom of the pole. And, and all this stuff, and it, you know, anybody that was really able to do anything could probably have done all this in one day, but I can't. I just, I'm not able. And it just took me a long time, and then catching him when he had time to do it, and it's just strung out a long time. Howard, i got to say, I think sugar-curing possum would have been a whole lot easier. Well, it probably would have been, but, you you know, it's kind of hard to use a possum for an antenna. <laughs> I mean, you don't think its tail would work very well? No, it's got pretty long tails. <laughs> well, it might. Well, I don't know. <clears throat> In a newsletter I got um, uh, an email this week. What, the possum time? Uh, well, uh, this was a, um, he, he gives building advice, and, and he is a ham, but he was talking about he went to a um, ham club meeting about a week ago, and a guy there was doing a demonstration for uh, a UHF frequency, and he used two dill pickles for an antenna. And it actually received signals, and he could prove it. Is this a joke? So I guess maybe you could use a possum. Are you are you joshing me again? Not not in the least.
You really made a connection with a, a quarter wave <laughs> antenna, like four, anywhere from four to 450 megahertz, is only a, roughly six inches long. I'd have to get a calculator and figure it out, but it's roughly six inches long. And when you make a dipole antenna, you have two lengths of wire that are insulated in the middle, and then your feed line goes to each leg of the wire either side of the insulator, and this makes what's called a dipole. Well, that's what he had done. Now, you don't usually use dipoles like that on those frequencies, but it is an antenna, and it will work. And, you know, he showed the thing receiving a signal. So I would believe that one. So if he used a giant pickle, he might contact the other world. Well, I don't know. You don't think you can hear from Mars? Some people can t contact the other world without an antenna, but nevertheless. Um, you, does it matter if, it, does it matter if it's oh. dill or, or sweet? Do what? Does it matter if it's dill or sweet? No, it's just a fact that it's wet. Uh, a lot of people don't realize, did you know that you can use a tree for an antenna? I mean a transmission mm -hmm. antenna. You have to go up the tree and keep driving, running a screw in or a nail or whatever and find where the tree is resonant at what frequency till you find the one you're looking for. And it can be used as an antenna. And I thought this was a joke when I first heard about it. Uh, I heard guys talking on 40 meters about it. And I really thought it was a joke. I'm sorry, I, that's not where I heard it. A guy locally was talking to another guy. Both of them had been in service during, World War, during um, Vietnam. One of them was in Special Forces. and. The other one said something to him about loading a tree. Well, I thought it was a joke. And some months later, I heard two guys on 40 meters talking about it, that, you know, how they had done it and all. Well, I looked it up, and sure enough, it can be done. I have never done it, but it can be. And I just thought that was rather amazing. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people don't realize the lower the frequency is, the longer the antenna has to be. The higher the frequency, the shorter it is. And it's because, you know, the wavelengths, the higher in frequency it goes, they get shorter and shorter. So the antennas have to be that way. I'm sure y'all were dying to know that. <laughs> well, I thought Walden had a good point about the dill pickle and the sweet pickle. And, I mean, I'm not being sassy or anything, but one has sugar in it and the other one doesn't. And I thought... Well, that's true. But it's not the sugar that's the deal. It's, it's the fact that it's wet and it's conducting but i didn't know that when i thought about sugar and vinegar you told me that after i thought about sugar and vinegar uh -huh. now i'm educated okay so next week if there's a test i'll be able to answer it all right and the frequency makes a whole lot of sense because even with a guitar you have a looser and sometimes right i mean it's the same principle yeah. Um, the size of the string and the tension of the string, well, really the length of the string is what's controlling it, but the diameter controls things too, to a lot of extent, but with radio frequencies a little bit different. Now, like for example, thing it just, and in a way it still baffles me, but I know it's a fact, 
if you laid a hundred foot electrical wire out, two conductor electrical wire, and you put 110 volts on it or 12 volts of DC or whatever, it doesn't matter. If you go along that wire somewhere and you short it, you're going to have a problem. But with RF, you can do that and it still works. It just changes the frequency that the thing's resonant at. But it's not like shorting a power cable. And that's just something that's always baffled me, when, although I know it's a fact. And RF is just like, you know, AC power, except the frequency is so much higher, the cycle rate. And things just work different, you know, at the higher frequencies. Well, it's good. Things. Yeah, well. Good work. Now you've learned some more trivia that you had no interest in whatsoever. Lots of trivia. Now, back to your ads a while ago that you and Jim were talking about. Oh, yeah, by the way, the Easter seals were sent out free, and Christmas seals were too, and they would trust you to pay for them, and I'm sure a lot of people didn't. But nevertheless, what just ticks me no end, you hear these ads, send in one dollar, and a hundred families can eat. Yes, right. No, they can't. <laughs> and the current one here that's been running the last week or two is um, sending money to help children in the Sudan. One child is dying every 20 seconds. It's impossible. I don't know why that. Stop and think about the figures. That is three per minute. 180 per hour, 4,320 per day, times 30 is roughly what, 129,600 yeah, a, a month, yeah. it ain't happening. Now, I'm sure things are bad and they need help. I'm not arguing that point, but these figures don't work out. It can't be. And ain't no hundred families going to eat off of a dollar. You couldn't even give them all a swallow of water. And you say, oh, well, they're buying in bulk. There ain't nobody can buy that kind of bulk, get that kind of price to feed a hundred people. Yeah. Or a hundred families. We buy Even if you're air. considering a family as two people. We gotta I mean, yeah, it, it, it can't be done. We buy oversized cans of air. No. I mean, if, if that were possible, some of these big grocery chains would be really mopping up. But it can't be done. Of course it can't be done. I'm suggesting... And, and it just baffles me that people don't ever question things. Are you on hold? Nope, nope, you're here. You just... Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead, Patricia. I'm, no, I, I was a question. And you said no. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Go ahead, Howard. I'm lost. Oh, uh, Patricia was trying to make sure uh, uh, we were just trying to make sure everybody could show each other. So she Am just, I on hold? And you said no, and it no. seemed to be the wrong answer. That's no, what no, no, no. She just didn't. She didn't know if everybody could hear hear the conversation. I, okay. I just want to let you know that everybody could hear each other. Right. Okay. Go ahead, Hollywood. Oh well, that was it. It's just those things kind of irritate me when people don't stop and think about.
which is why they're still advertising every 20 seconds, because it works. They must be getting money. Oh, yes. I'm sure it works. But I don't mean it makes sense. But I, I guess that's not the point. They're not doing it because it makes sense. They're doing it to raise money. Exactly. Exactly. And they're getting it from somewhere. Or they wouldn't right. have any ads. Okay. I have been listening all week to this Avenger thing. Okay. Kind of a poor takeoff on the shadow. Isn't it? Have you have you listened to any of them? Yes, but not uh, very many. Well, I've gone through I think sixteen out of twenty six. You're you're about fourteen up on me. Fourteen or what? I you've you've listened to sixteen, and I said you're fourteen up on me. Oh, okay. Uh, I can't really figure out quite how to put it. I think that I'm tempted to say they're more aimed at, toward kids, but it's maybe that I just notice things. But they have so many things in there that don't make sense. And I'm not talking about his means of invisibility. It, it, that doesn't either, but it's just like the shadow. they got to have something, but this seemed like a poor takeoff on that. And the sound effect. That's kind of wild, too. But nevertheless, what I'm really talking about here is logic or sensibility in some of these things. I know one I listened to. Um, this artist came to town, and the mayor gave a big speech. He gave him keys to the city. Okay, he was planning a robbery from the city vault. I didn't know a city had a vault, per se. They put their money in banks like everybody else. But nevertheless... Uh, the vault seemed to be in the building with the um, mayor's office and all, all that stuff. So he was planning a robbery there. So he took two or three of the, the keys for the city that he was given at this, this um, speech thing and put the rest of them in somebody else's pocket to lead suspicion to them. So he went back to the mayor and told him that he seemed to have lost his set of keys and could he be given another set? Well, the, key, the mayor said, oh, sure, we've got hundreds and hundreds of them. Uh, they're just made out of cardboard with a tin coating on them. Now, that didn't make sense either, but nevertheless, let's assume that's what happened. Well, then, at the end of the deal, the Avenger, or the guy that is the Avenger, and the mayor are waiting for him to catch him at the vault and caught him coming out with, with what he went in to steal. Now, it makes it sound like <laughs> these phony keys to the city is what he used to open the safe. Now, that is downright silly. After he'd done been told they were made out of cardboard. I mean, what good were they? Um, and, and there were various things like that. It just... Come across a safe that opened with a key. Do what? I have never come across a safe that could be opened with a key. Oh, yes. There are plenty of them. You can buy all you want. Okay. Um, the one I have has a large key lock, and then it has an electronic keypad. You have to have both. Huh. Uh, I think you're more familiar with the dials, but there's no way I can use a dial yeah, well, because 
the graduations on the dial are just too small. Yeah. And if you mark them so you can feel them and identify them, the ones you need, you might as well leave the. You may as well write down a combination. Sure. You might as well. Leave uh, that's like you know we discussed before, right? it on a wall by the safe. Mm -hmm. So you can't do that, and that's why um, I got an electronic keypad, and and then you have a, a great big key that that the deal has to be done in sequence to make the thing open. But key type sites are quite common. Well, then, what do you know about the Avenger? Um, it was one of the very first ripoff of the Shadow. Um, I was just thinking while I was talking uh, of other Shadow satellite shows. Another one is the Whisper. Oh well. That's another one. Of course, a lot of people think this, the Whistler is was a sort of a spinoff off the Shadow. Um, I never got that impression about no. that. No, but the, that was the Whisperer was actually an agent who only used his voice because he was originally injured and he wasn't supposed to have a voice. Right. And he pretended that he still didn't have one and would go about doing his work to undo all of the dirty, dastardly deeds. Uh -huh. But he didn't have any magical powers. He didn't no. have any gas. No, but it was some people put it in that category. I don't think so. But it's the and I'm trying to think what syndication company put out the adventure. Uh, I think I clicked it in one of the books. Maybe we'll look up next week. But uh, I'm surprised there were that many shows. I thought it was only a 13 week run. I didn't realize there were 26 or so. But 26 is what it says on yeah. this thing. Yeah, like probably I said, right. Gotten through the 16 of them. Yeah. But I haven't seen an advertisement in any of them. Uh, I'm sure. Now, there's space for advertisement. I, there's in the center. Yeah. Uh, there's probably a minute of organ music for local advertising, yep. I guess. Yep. But there's no actual advertisements on the ones I have. No, it's a, it's a syndicated deal. But it's. Well, anyway. <laughs> I get they figure the shadow was a hot property, and they show you how. Yeah. yeah. It didn't make the final cut, huh? Yeah, uh uh. Nah. I was listening to a show a couple of weeks ago, and I thought it was a, a second cousin or the, the red-headed stepchild. I, I never figured that. Red-headed stepchild? That term? It's, yeah. it's, a, it's an expression that I never could figure out. But anyway, oh yeah, I guess I could. Um, it, it was just such a poor imitation, but the person had magical powers like the shadow. What show would it have been, Walden? Well, did we talk about the Blue Beetle? That was just sort of a ripoff. That, that was more of the Green Hornet. Yeah. The ripoff of the Green Hornet. Right. Um, Blue Beetle, Green Hornet. I mean, it's like, oh, gosh, did you have a show like that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> well, did, I think, wasn't you listening to Sean Do the Musician? Sean Do. I think yeah. that. But still. Mm-hmm. It always they still has magical powers, but I don't know. It it was different than the Green Hornet. The whole theory of the thing. John Dew was a different. Right. And he was a magician, so he was. Yes. Right. Yeah. But I was just trying to think what series that you've been listening to yeah. that I've been knowing that I knew about. 
It made me say, oh, man, I know what you did. You swiped something. Aha. Uh -huh. But at least with the Blue Beetle, they weren't trying to be surreptitious about it. I mean, it was about as upfront and in your face as you could <laughs> Green Hornet. Oh, that one I never heard. Yeah, special guess. Good grief. The only difference was, one was a police officer, a rookie cop, and the other was a newspaper publisher. Now, that was supposed to have differentiated the shows, I guess. Well, and the color, too. One with blue, one with green. Right. Yeah. So that's two. It was. But, but you know the 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 theory behind the Green Hornet that he was the Lone Ranger's grandson mm -hmm. or grandnephew or whatever it was, I guess, because he didn't have grandnephew. Uh huh. Yeah. But um, you know that led from one thing to another, so to speak. But of course, I never heard the the Blue Beetle, so or not that I recall. I don't know how it would stack up or what the theory back of that one was. On a scale of 1 to 10, it's somewhere around a 2. <laughs> okay. Or a minus something. Mm, I'll give it a 2. Okay. I'll give it a 2 because there are very few available. <laughs> they, had, they at least had the courage to destroy most of them. Okay. They're not very good, seriously. They're they're really very poor imitations. Well, there's a series that I would like to have that came more from the mystery theater era of public radio. I never was crazy about that, although they were well done. It's just I, <clears throat> I could not get into them like I did the older shows. But they had one I'd really like to have just for the fact that it was funny. It didn't make any sense. It was just funny. And that was the stories about Elmer Corn. Elmer Corn. Yeah. I came across some really screwy stuff, but I don't think Elmer Corn was in my pile yet. Tell me about Elmer Corn. Well, someplace in Texas was supposed to be making these things, for what I understand. And I don't know that there were very many of them, but Elmer Corn was a manure hauler out of Biloxi, Mississippi, I think. And he was always getting wrapped up with space aliens, uh, skeletons, and mm -hmm. things like that, that he had to go save somebody. Um, during his hauling trips, you know, he would, 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 would get captured by aliens or get wrapped up in a bunch of, of dead skeletons, and he had to do something to save somebody. And then he would wake up back on his manure route. Um, I mean, he was really a, a hicks hick, so to speak. Okay. But they were funny. I mean, there was no sense to it. Yeah. And no real historical value to any of it. It was just funny. And there ain't nothing else you can call it. It just sounds like fun. And you've not... Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was just funny and... and it had no other value to it, but I just liked it. And you've not been able to find them anywhere? Well, I haven't tried searching for them, but um, sometimes they have showed up on on Yesterday USA. I mean, that's the only place I could, I've heard them. But they are from back in the, in the time of, of the Mystery Theater stuff at um, 
Well, let me see if I can find some Elmer corn. That sounds like fun. Walden, would you like Elmer corn? I've never heard of it. <laughs> Neither did I. It sounds like it belongs in my awful show collection. It sounds like a winner. Well, it probably does. You know, right up like there. I said, there's absolutely no value to it other than... It's just sound like something my candy playing. I don't know. <laughs> I like this idea. Okay, I will look for it. Elmer Corn. Okay. Elmer Corn. Great oh. title for radio shows, huh? Which product had a character named Elmer as part of its advertising campaign? Ah, uh, that I ought to know, and it will not come to me. No, it, it won't come to me. Elsie and Elmer. Elsie and Elmer? El Elsie, I remember, was Elsie the cow. Right. And that might have been a local thing. No, nope, Elsie the cow was the Borden's milk cow. Right. I didn't know if it was local or not. Elmer was her husband. Now, they had a little baby bull, but I don't know. I can't remember what the baby bull's name was. Baby bull. Was it, was, it wasn't called Blue Boy? Yeah. It was not Blue Boy? Blue Boy? It was, it was a baby bull. Can you imagine? <laughs> I would help me. I, no, I don't remember the, the baby. I don't remember Elmer either, if you know the truth. All right. But I do remember Elsie. I've got Elmer here somewhere. Uh, Elmer? And file 16 addresses. No, no, no. Hmm. Vintage read. I guess we lost Hollywood there. Oh, I thought I got hung up on. No, he just his phone disconnected. Maybe, maybe he didn't care about the cow. <laughs> poor Elsie. I mean, poor Elsie, but it was Elmer. Elmer was her husband. Yes. You know, I'm. Do you think that's our buddy? Is that you? Were you trying to were you trying to disconnect yourself? No, I wasn't trying to do anything. Oh. I just woke up and you were gone. <laughs> <laughs> what a family. Elsie uh -huh. and Elmer the Bull. Of course, that might have been the fault of Magic Jack, too. Hey, oh, you're using a Magic Jack? I am this time. Uh -huh. Well, tonight. Alright, so, see, I just... I just gave you the information. Beauregard is the little guy. And Beulah is the little girl. Oh, okay. How about that? Well, now, so these must be southern cows, right? Southern cows. Now that's interesting. So, are they southern comforts? Beauregard and Beulah. They sound like... Sound like C is kind of generic, but Elmer is um, tends to lean south. You're right. These are southern, southern bovines. Yeah. Oh. That brings up, speaking of animals, that brings up something that I never fully understood, and Walden, you probably answer it. Mm -hmm. On um, <clears throat> Alan, anything of his first name? Um, Steve. Wait. Um, Senator Cleghorn. Uh, Kenny, oh. Kenny, oh. Kenny, Kenny Delmar. Kenny Delmar. Yeah. Okay. 
he came up with that character. Correct. And then they had to get permission from some other studio to use it. I never understood that. Well, the way it works, Kenny Delmar was hitchhiking from Texas to the East Coast. And a guy he hitchhiked with a cattleman from Texas, and that's the way he talked. So he copied. Uh, yeah, I can see that part. He copied that. I think the character first appeared on the Alan Young show. And. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, which show? Alan Young. Alan Young had a, a, a radio show in New York, and when Alan's Alley came back together in the 45, Al, Steve, uh, Fred Allen asked. Uh, Alan Young, because he wasn't really using that cut, could he borrow some of those characters? Oh, and so when, friends, so when it, it made the big hit on the Fred Allen show, and then in 1946, they made a movie featuring Senator Clyde that character. And so I imagine the studio had to get permission from somebody no, I thought Fred Allen had to get permission for he could use it. No, he, he had to get from from uh, he went to Al, Alan Young to get if he was okay. Oh, with okay. It. Yeah. Okay. Now here's my P.S. to that. There's a cartoon character named yep. Senator Leghorn. Correct. Yep. Big rooster, and he. And boys. He talks the same way. Yeah. That's, right. That is the. Uh, I have to go look it up, but yeah, that's that's. I think that's another vehicle that Kenny Delmar used, used it for. So it's a Kenny Delmar character? Uh-huh. Huh. Because in 1946, it, the the catchphrase that Kenny Delmar used, it, it's a joke song, became the major catchphrase throughout the country. Right. And the studio picked it up and created either a film or a, car or a cartoon. I can't remember if it both or one or the other. I don't remember. So I imagine if we search the I just always wondered about that. Yeah, if we search the internet movie I, I like the character. If, if I bet we search the internet movie database, we will find out. If not, if I don't get a, a I don't know that it's all that important. It's just Well, if not we couldn't understand why everybody was having to give permission to everybody else right. to use his character. If not He was a he was the actor doing it. Sure. If not, if I don't get the the last way beam I will play Tiny John Dunny sat down and interviewed Kitty Delmar to talk about it. Because uh, Kitty Delmar had a great career from being um, on the Orson Welles' uh, Mars at Lang show. He was the guy that sounded like Franklin Delano Roosevelt because he commitment Roosevelt to being the announcer on Fred Allen and the uh, Senator Craghorn for being... Uh, to being Commissioner Western, Western, Western on the saddle. And the announcer for both your hip parade and the Jack Benny show. It's a good interview. I, if I don't get a Ray Breen tomorrow, I'll pull that one out. And we can find out. Well, I have a right. here. What do you got? Senator Foghorn Leghorn. Yes. The big rooster who protects the chicken. Right. Hey, son, I, I say that was a joke, boy. <laughs> It was voice. I, I like the character part of it. I, I always did. Voices include Mel Blank, Joe Alasky, Jeff Bergman, Greg Burson, Bill Farmer, um, Frank Gorson, Jeff Bennett, 
Maurice Lamarche. It the list keeps going. So it probably probably came down on this one. He's down on this. So that's a parody off of his character. <laughs> yes. So what the movie? Maybe it's a joke song with the movie. I don't know if you can search Kenny Delmar. Come on. Alright, that's okay. We can save it. We can have one of our family members do the internet thing. I'll do it. I know. You're one, Paul. Can you can you use the keyboard with your toes? No, I've, I've got the phone under my chin, and I'm typing with one hand, and the other one is up in the air to get the swelling down. <laughs> But, okay. but, but Patricia, if we're mar she's multitasking. I, I am. You can tie it with your toes. Stay, staying upright is a multitask in this department. Okay. What am I supposed to do with with um? All right. We're trying to find a movie that he starred as Kitty Delmar. Yeah. It's a joke, so maybe the title. Well, I've got Wikipedia that's titled Senator Claghorn. Okay. I want to do that one. Why not? I won't go into a room unless it's got a southern exposure, boy. Um, and what am I looking for? The chicken? The movie. The movie starting to tell you in 1946 or so. A movie. Okay. The movie. The movie. <laughs> we do this. Movie is not found. Why you make me do stuff like this? I know. Uh, oh, I know. All right. Let me see. I know. Maybe they don't know about it. Who who doesn't know about what? Wikipedia. Well, we've got TV, TV, TV. Tennessee tuxedo. Hold <laughs> 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 on. King Leonardo. Studio One in Hollywood, Goodyear Playhouse. It's a joke, son. It's a joke, son. Yeah, 1947. Okay. Wow. But there's nothing about a chicken. Hmm. Nothing. Well, I don't know that the chicken was with a cartoon character, but... Yeah, so maybe the movie's just on the Senator I tell you, these, uh, Senator Claghorn on, like, Fred Allen, I mean, that was supposed to be an actual person, character, not a cartoon character. The chicken, it's a rooster. Because the one on the cartoon was, uh, Leghorn, not Claghorn. Well, yeah, I guess you have to look up oh, Leghorn. the same voice. Yeah, well, it was the same, it, it was a takeoff on the same character, yeah. Exactly. Now, I've got one more question for you, and I'll get out of here. Did you look up the heap shirting, the sheep herding rabbit? I can't tell. Did so. That was so cute. I sent it to my sister. I thought she was going to do something in her chair. She just. Okay. The bunny. Well, I thought it was cute, too. Um, and from what I understand, the rabbit taught itself. I guess he must have been watching the dogs, but it was still, it was cute. It's in an, an enclosed area. It's like somebody's large backyard. It's fenced in. And there's a guy walking around the yard, and I'm guessing that the sheep are following him to some degree. But then at the end, there's nobody around, and this little bunny takes off after this herd. There must be six or eight sheep in there. And he's chasing the sheep, Walden. 
Ah. He's an adorable bunny. He's yeah. the prettiest little bunny I ever saw. Wow. But he's out there chasing sheep. <laughs> it's really I think he was herding them through a gate, but, you know, he's nipping at their, their heels and everything else. And, uh. Yeah, it's kind of like a mouse after an elephant almost. Well, my buddy, my bunny rabbit, my bunny rabbit Hoppy was a fierce little critter, so they they can be fearless. They're funny. So. Well, it was just amazing that that he learned to do that and did it. Um, but he was. what kind of amazed mm -hmm. me. Absolutely unintimidated. I don't care if he chases him in the house one at a time. That bunny is unintimidated, and the sheep are intimidated. It's just right. So nose to nose. There's this little ball of fluff on the ground, and the sheep is just cowering. Mm. And, and you know, sheep don't look very big on TV or in pictures. Say, or at least what I remember seeing them, they look quite small, like from a distance or whatever. But sheep aren't that little. <laughs> We're good size. When you get next to one. They were, I wouldn't say they're big as a cow by any means, but they're still pretty good size. They're, they're good sized critters. But I did run across another interesting fact about, uh, fact about, fact, fact about sheep dogs. Yeah, some of the, the most well-trained dogs there is, I guess, as far as working dogs are concerned. But... If you've got a, a large herd of sheep and the guy, you know, points out to the dog what he wants done on the other side of the herd, they are smart enough not to run around the herd. They will jump onto the back of one of the sheep to get started and then they go across the herd from back to back and get down on the other side. And I always thought that was so amazing. Way to go, puppy. That's a smart doggy. Uh, I thought so, too. <laughs> but anyway, just one of my... One of your... Um, what, simple mind. They're easily fascinated things. It's one of your many pearls that you dropped for us on Saturdays. That's fun. That was a fun story. Yeah, I thought the rabbit was really good. But anyway, y'all have fun. We try. That's a big thing we do around here. Oh. And Patricia? Uh-huh. Your, your comment now should be, y'all come back here. Oh, y'all come back here. <laughs> okay. I learned I learned it a little bit different. See y'all later. <laughs> I, if you're still listening, Harwood, I learned it, y'all come back now, here. Y'all come back now. What? Well, it kind of depends on the circumstance. Oh. But that's all right, too. Okay. Thank you. I've been practicing. Good. That's very good. We'll talk to you next week. You have a good week. See ya. Bye. Bye. Are we having fun yet? We always are having fun. How are you holding up? I'm doing okay, but we're getting down to the wire. I know. I got to work. To you got to work. The work. You you just you had downtime you weren't planning on this week. I know. I know. Boy, oh boy, and it's still not finished, but I don't have to do it. I mean, it's not like I had to do it yesterday. Yeah, it has to be done. But and one of them is to find a car. 
<laughs> as a car. So, life is just full of little pits in the cherry bowl. You weren't planning on looking for a new car, were you? No, I was not. Uh -uh. No, I was not. No. Just loved this car. Yeah. Just loved this car. But if it's a choice between my head having gotten damaged or the car, I think it was a good thing, you know? Yep. So, what would you like to do? It's up to you. We can call it quits. Well, we've got this really awful, awful show that I sent to you. Okay. It is Once Upon a Midnight by Alfred Hitchcock, and it is 50% of an audition. It's a half an hour show, and they never made the second half hour. It's pretty awful. So you want to feature that? I would like to feature that. Okay, show me. I'm going to turn on, because I was running so late. I just got in here so late, I haven't gone to my email. So we're gonna do that with everybody right now. I sent it late, so it should be pretty close to the top. Okay. Well, let's just see. So I can keep going here. How about I just go ahead and give people some Windows N desktop I, Internet Explorer. Well, well, okay, we're getting up there right now. Useless but fun. You've got it. Hold on. Windows there. Internet Explorer connecting dot dot dot. Well, I've really got some USA interesting stuff. Can I tell you something page. interesting? Sure. Okay, in the marriage ceremony of the ancient Incas, we're really into the esoteric here, ancient Incas, the couple was considered officially webbed when they took off their sandals and handed them to each other. And that made me wonder if they gave them back without a divorce. Um... If you go through the Jewish file, the custom, they use that um, for a, a real estate transaction. Uh, I missed the beginning of this. Oh, I'm almost there. They use that in the Jewish custom uh, when, when the Redeemer, you know, remember the story about Ruth? And when Obadiah decided that she was... Uh, Obadiah, um, the, when, you know, when Ruth married the second time, it would, she, she went with the property. And they, to, in, in Israel at that time, they used shoes, uh, sandals or shoes to, to finish the transaction. Nope. They gave him back? No. It was just a show. It was, it was, the, the first people. The first, the first person. Uh, in order to make a contract agreed, had to exchange their handle, and then the uh, the female who who not agreed to get married, who wasn't going to be picked up, agreed, got to spit the other person's face. I think I can. Okay. I found it. So whatever we want to, we got it. Okay. Alright. We're going to have Alfred Hitchcock Right? You bet. Poor guy. I mean, and they even put his name on it. I'm guessing he was probably the one who said, I'm not going to make the second half. It's awful. 
So, is that, that, that is our end, yes? Sure. If you're ready to call it in, we can do that. How long? Uh-oh. You want me to grab that? Under the wire, yeah. Okay. Hold on, everybody. I stepped on my microphone. Okay. Here Walden we... stepped on his mic. Actually, I didn't, so we can, we can turn up the call. Call okay. it in the end yet. You are, oh, you are there. Who are we? Hello? Yes. Hey. You can't call it an in. You gotta talk to me first. <laughs> talk to you first. Okay. Who who forced me? Is that you? That's me. That's Hi, me. That's a petition I always do on a private on a private. To decide who me and who you. You know, Patricia, you did an excellent job tonight. It was great. Thank you. She was so wonderful. She had story after story after story. You you did fine, and and in all seriousness, um, what happened? Were you on a highway when when somebody whacked you from behind? How did this accident occur? Whacked me in an intersection from the passenger side. She took off. Oh gosh! And you were at a dead stop, or were you moving? Nope, I had just started to move. You must have hit you pretty hard. To totally, you know, just yeah, totally a car. Best, best guess estimate. She hit the intersection at fifty. Oh my gosh! Oh, I and um, and she hit your your passenger side. So luckily, nobody was sitting. You didn't have no passenger. Didn't even make it to the door. She hit the front of the car. So the hood is gone. The bumper is gone. The air, the um, radiator is gone. The, you know, I mean, just everything in the front. Her bumper, her bumper traveled four lanes. And I'm. No, I have a 1995 Toyota Corolla station wagon. And the reason why I I never bought a new one or, or turned it in is because everything in my station wagon works. The air conditioning, everything. Um, and I know how you must feel because I just love my Toyota. And I, I can throw my keyboards, my, my sound system, everything in the back and it's so reliable. Well, my, my brother calls my car a cream puff. It was a cream puff. She went to the garage every time it was time to have her oil changed and her shoes fixed. But, and it, it's, a, it's a 2002. It was a 2002. And I'm the same way you are. I said, this is the last car I'm ever going to buy. They don't die. And uh, it had all of 37,000 miles on it. Whoa, my car has, <laughs> believe it or not, 185,000. But you wouldn't know it. I mean, you know, if you rode in it, you wouldn't know it had that much miles. And, um, I mean, it's, it, it's a car that is so reliable. By the way, um, when are you going home back to your own apartment? Monday. Monday or Sunday? Monday, with an M. Okay, because um, like I told you in the email, the Pony Express brought you some things yesterday. Oh. I mean, you should have gotten it yesterday. So when you go home on Monday, make sure you check your 
Jacksonville Bar. Where Pony is going to be hungry. That's right. The Pony is going to be very hungry. Also, um, um, did you ever hear um, of a program called The Seal Book? I have heard it, yes. I don't have it, but I've heard it. Don't get it. I'll get it for you. <laughs> now, Walden, is that the one with John Daner? No, you have the, the Hermit Cave. The Hermit's Cave. Oh. The Seal Book was all mysteries and things, and I have one because it falls in a time when uh, we were waiting to find out that, that the Japanese were going to surrender, you know, when, in World War II kind of thing. So I have one from, like, I think, August. August forty-five or something. Well, I got a whole bunch of them. So. Hooray! Yeah, a whole bunch of the seal book. And the guy go, keeper of the book. What shall we hear today? And all that kind of junk or whatever. Stop! It's campy. That's camp. Walden, you wanted to know what camp was. That's camp. That camp. Now, what's the definition of camp? I beg your pardon. What is camp? The sealed book. Okay, but if if I were gonna write up, if I were gonna look up the definition camp in in Wikipedia, it's gonna say the sealed book. Yeah, you're gonna look under S for sealed. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, did you? Okay, you guys recorded the program tonight. Uh huh. So I I have it, and so we can. Uh, no, here too. Um, do me a favor, Patricia. Can he get it to you? And can you put an MP3 for me? If he can get it to me, of course I can. Yes, 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 yes. Do it. You work it out with Patricia. That was a fabulous interview. And you know, she was so giving of herself. And she really, um, you know, like she wasn't stuffy at all. And she praised Patricia to the hilt. And she loved Walden. And, uh -huh. I mean, she was, I mean, so earthy, you know. It was good. That's I don't know. Well, we may have still been on the air when she said, "If I had known it was going to be, how did she say it?" So relaxing. Re so relaxed. I mm -hmm. would have relaxed. Yeah. I had it in my head. <coughs> and Patricia, um, not to because I'm getting um, a little dingy at this time of the night. How long you have to have to cast on? I don't know. I have to see the surgeon on Wednesday. Oh, okay. Boy, when you told me when we you told me that when you told us that story, oh, I just cringed. I thought, oh my gosh. I mean, so you, they, they, did you are you renting a car and give you a loaner or what's the situation I've, there? I've got a rental car. My insurance company is paying for a rental until they settle um, with the car, and I think I'm going to have to. Uh, I'm expecting to have to do some dickering with them because the retail value of this car is a lot more than I think they're going to offer in terms of a settlement. So, you know, it's really, it's, it's odd, but for a six-year-old car in that condition, and it was five speed on the floor, um, it's got a retail value of about $7,000 for a, for a 10-year-old car. I mean, it's just, and it's a bottom of the line. A Corolla is not a Camry by any means, or a Lexus. And uh, it just held its value like yours, Ron. It just would go and go and go and go forever. 
So I have a feeling that they're going to show up with a couple of hundred dollars in their pockets, and I'm going to have to sit here and say, but check this. So we'll see. That's the problem. I mean, I didn't, I mean worst of all, the, the person that drove hit you didn't, wasn't insured, right? Correct. And had a suspended license. Oh, my God. That's even, you know, that's, you know, I mean, I don't know how to, I don't know, how, I cringe when I, when I hear that because, you know, I, it's, there are so many uninsured, uninsured motorists today, you know, and you just don't want to get involved with any of them, and then you, unfortunately, um, have to get involved with somebody with no insurance, suspended license, you know, I mean, I don't know, I, there's no way to describe yeah, uncomfortable thought that you have about people like them, you know. I had a few. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. right. Oh, and by the way, I'm talking about the Gene Krupa whatever interview. Um, was that not the one? That's not the one you sent me, right? Yes. That was? Yes. Okay, good. Yeah, I gotta go hear that. That's good, that's good. I because I, I, I'm, 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 um, I'm thinking, I wonder if I, I was paying attention, I'll pay attention more. That's great, because I love that CD. So we'll talk to you guys again, and, and, uh, um, Patricia, good luck to you, and I'm so, so, uh, I know I speak for many of us, uh, thankful that, um, you're fine. I mean, you're not fine, but you came out of it, you know, the way you did, um, and, um, but I, I really feel for you about your car because I know exactly how I feel about my car, my station wagon, my Corolla. Like they say, you know, once you get a Toyota, you never let go. Well, we're good advertising for Toyota anyway. And we certainly are. And Molly, I'm glad that you had such a wonderful uh, convention. I'm not in a convention, but meeting with me. We, we had uh, with Tommy Cook and Terry Moore, and then a week from tonight, don't forget everybody, John Benny can be our special live guest. Jack Benny's daughter will be on uh, 7.30 Saturday night. So we got another interview, which will be open for people to make phone calls and talk to Jack Benny's daughter. How old is, how old is, um, how old is Janet Waldo? <clears throat> Are we allowed to tell? Yeah, yeah, you, you mentioned it once. Before. Well, that's been the big hidden secret of all-time radio. I, I have my own feeling. I don't know if she really... She, she, now, tipped it, she tipped it out that she started radio when she was 15. Hold it. She's older than Gloria McMillan. Yes, uh-huh. She's older than Gloria. A little yes. bit older than Gloria McMillan. I think, I think she's eight years older. Okay. Now, Actually, seven, to, seven years older. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think Janet did. She started radio when she was fifteen, and came in Hollywood. And she started in Hollywood. I know, nineteen forty-one. So maybe I won't get in trouble, Janet. Did she ever do shows with Gloria McMillan? They both worked on Chorus Archer. She, Gloria, was on the show when Janet announced that she got engaged. Oh. So yeah, they uh, and he. Jan, Jan, one of Janet's best friends was Louise Harrison. 
And she was also Janet's best friend on Chorus Archer. Oh. And then, uh, so those, those, so Janet and Louise go back a long time. By the way, I heard that babysitting, everybody I think heard that babysitting Chorus Archer, but the one that you played right after yep. uh, you two were saying goodbye, um, I never heard that one before. Uh-huh. I, I, I that, that's a, there's not that many Chorus Archer one, and that one is one of them. Um, the babysitting, and, and there's even a third one. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't hear. And there's others from the 52, 53 period. There's about... Um, I've got six. I think there are ten out. I think there's about ten to fifteen. There's not that many. Well, Patricia, do me a favor. When you... I'm, I'm asking for some favors, but... When you do the interview thing uh, on MPC, could you put the six that you have... Sure, I thought I sent them to you, Shane. Oh, no, you never did. Oh. You sent, you, you, you sent me um, the other one that was fun with Gail Gordon. Um, oh, yeah. And you know what happened? My radio, my uh, somehow my internet radio went out for a little while when she was talking about Gail Gordon and how serious of a person uh -huh. was. What did she say that he wasn't... He wasn't very friendly, no, maybe not the word friendly, but he took his job serious and he didn't like fooling around, right? Is that what you said? I, I asked her, I said I always had the sense that he was, um, I didn't say, did I say practical joker? Practical joker, yeah. I think I, I think I can talk about, remember why we think that way, because Gordon McMillan's experience was different, because, we, cause, you know, Gail Gordon was part of the Armist book cast. Right. She saw Gail Gordon and Richard Krennic pull things on each other all the time. That's where I... And Janet would not have that uh, the same experience because she would, you know, work with Gail in other settings. But probably because that Armist book cast was together for nine years, they felt like they could probably pull things on each other. Whereas she didn't have that experience with Gail Gordon. No, like that because, you know, it wasn't a part of... She, I think she worked with him in the Lucy days, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, remember... That's what she said. You remember, guys. The R. McBrook family was tight in both radio and TV. It was a family. Mm -hmm. Lucy did not run it like a family. No. And that whole atmosphere might have put pe people on pins and needles. Especially... Hard lady. Woo. Especially, uh, especially in the TV days when those two studio TV studios were right next to each other. And a lot of... Gloria McMillan said a lot of people who would walk from the Lucy were happy to get to hang out over the on broadcast. Mm -hmm. Well, it was just like um, Janet today when she was wearing her charm bracelet mm -hmm. and Lucy said... I mean, is there a dog someplace mm -hmm. in this studio or something, you know? And all she had to say was, we don't wear anything that jangles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But she made a big deal. Is there a dog in here or something? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, of course, Janet caught the hint and knew what she was talking about. That's why it was a so good interview. I mean, we kind of got the, the insight of um, different people, you know? Yeah, the inside poop. She was... Yeah, right, right. And so, yeah, so when you make the MP3 of the interview, uh, add the six um, quarters out after that, and that'd be perfect. Then I'll, I'll 
I'll put it under my pillow every night, and uh, at least I'll have some of them being with Janet Walzo 24 hours a day almost. I'm only kidding, but seriously, that that sounds like a fun MP3 format to have. And also, you can listen to her on The Great Girls Voice. She would, you remember in 1947, Leroy was having uh, piano lessons? Uh-huh. That's Janet Waldo playing the piano teacher. Oh, really? Yeah. Who is that? That's, that's Mrs. Piper. Um. That's Janet. Really? Yeah. I can listen to that. Mrs. Piper. That was Mrs. Piper. That was Janet. I, I, and then, I mean, you didn't know that, Patricia. And then, she does, if she wants to hear some dramatic acting, she goes to the screen director Playhouse. She's opposite, uh... Frank, uh, Douglas, um, not, uh, yeah, Fairbanks, Fairbanks Union, 116, no, 123.49, The Exile, and then a very good performance, the best years of our lives, part of that Screen Director Playhouse series. Really? So, I got that, yeah. yeah. so you want to listen to her as a dramatic actress, she could do it all. There is no doubt about that. Well, this has been, along with the girl, Laurie McMillan, um, interview that I played for, too, um, some of the most memorable evenings with um, Patricia and Walden that I will never forget. And also, uh, I, to this morning, Ron, just for you, I dropped a note to Bobby Benson to ask him to be a sh- uh, guest in the next two months. <laughs> We're getting good. Yep. We're getting good, aren't I, we? Yep. yep. So I, I'm doing that for you, Ron. So I don't. So um. You know, I'm going to keep on canceling all my jobs because of <laughs> your food. You're getting some goodies. We're, we're going to have to send you food baskets. <laughs> I will be listening to Joan Bennett because I have. Uh, I have to tell her something about her. About. Jack Benny, you know, um, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I'll be looking forward to next week. But anyway, you two, nice talking to you. Patricia, you, you take care of yourself, and I just hope that your insurance company will realize how much you love and cherish that car and will give you what you deserve and what the car deserves to get. So, good luck. I don't think they put a price on love. <laughs> I don't think so either, but, you know, it's nice to hope that the insurance company will will have a little bit more heart. I hope so. And good luck to you, and um, I'm glad, seriously, with, with, with all seriousness, I'm so, so happy that um, you're okay, you're fine, except for that cash that should um, come off, I'm sure, pretty soon, but... Yeah. He's going to have to do surgery on it, I know that, but I'd rather have surgery on a hand than on my head, so I'm cool. That's sure, and good luck in tying your shoes. Thank you. <laughs> why, don't you why don't you buy, why don't you just wear um, two things, wear thongs wherever you go, or, like in Hawaii you could get away with that, okay, or just buy slip-ons, you know, shoes that you just slip into. Yeah, there are. Um, they've got um, Velcro ones, you know, with Velcro straps. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm in Jacksonville. I'm 600 miles from home, and these are the only shoes I have with me. You know, my. Oh, good luck to you, and we'll talk to you guys next week. So from 
Me too. Congratulations on a job well done. Patricia and Walden in, from Hawaii. Aloha. Aloha, Ron. And thank you for helping make it special. Now, if we're talking about sung sandals, yeah, it's 26 degrees here. I know. I think, I think Patricia goes barefoot. It's 26 degrees. I know. I think I'm going to go to bed and stay there. You're not going to take your clothes off. Well, if I don't take my clothes off, then I don't have to take my shoes off either. That makes sense. It's only going to be a 59 high tomorrow. That's too cold for Patricia. Oh, this one says 51. Oh, dear. Oh, wait a minute. 59 is Fort Myers. 51 is up here. <laughs> I don't have warm clothes. I mean, I have warm clothes, but I can't put them on. I know. I do, I'm going to look pretty silly. I, I'll look like a Christmas tree if I tie them around my neck. <laughs> I know it. I've got blue and pink and red and purple. I'm into colors, you know? Yeah. This is good. Yeah. So I will figure out what to wear tomorrow. <laughs> I have to get dressed in layers, but everything has to have buttons. Oh, dear. What a world. Okay, are we going to play um, Alfred Hitchcock? Uh-huh. And then that means I have to say good night? That means you better say good night to the family. I have to say good night to the family because tomorrow is a work day. And we will be back next week. With Joan Benny as our special guest. But with a guest, right? We're yeah. going to have Joan Benny next yeah. week. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. I've been gathering some Jack Benny information, you know, the kind of stuff that you don't find normally. That's true. Well, you know, and you know what? Her best friend is George Burns' daughter. Oh, yes. So you can always talk about George and Gracie, the Burns family. Gracie. Yeah. yeah. I found a couple of uh, short articles. I'm going through old newspapers, so I'm into the, like, 1950s and 1950s. Uh-huh. And as I breezed past, I'm, I'm sure I missed a thousand, but I've got two or three short articles about him or about things that were going on with the show. So I'll have a couple of tidbits that I probably wouldn't find elsewhere that we can talk about. And it's always fun to find something new. You bet. That hasn't been asked or they haven't had an opportunity to talk about or they just wouldn't remember otherwise. So that should be fun. Should we play? Yeah. Hi, Sir Walden. Okay. This app from Good night, everybody. Be safe. We'll talk to you next week. App. Subject app. Attachment. Bye, Walden. Bye, Patricia. Mail attach. Open but enter. Attachments. List view. 450511. Hitchcock. One cell phone. The midnight malice. 4.4.mp35.6 OMV. 1 of 1. Windows Media Player. Default view. Windows Media Player. Upon a Midnight, a presentation of the American Broadcasting Company dedicated to the hearty listener who favors a tale spiced with mystery and imagination. What time is it in your house? Eight? Nine? Ten? Set the clock ahead. Make it twelve. Midnight's the time for these stories. And now here's your host, the noted director and producer, an expert guide along the path of dark adventure, Mr. Alfred Hitchcock. It was not until several weeks after he had decided to murder his wife that Dr. Bickley took any active steps in the matter. 
Murder is a serious business. The tiniest slip may be disastrous. And Dr. Brickley had no intention of risking disaster. This was to be the most delicately perfect of all perfect crimes. Suspense, shock, murder, all the makings of a spine-tingling mystery drama in the hands of a past master of theatrical illusion, Alfred Hitchcock. We of the American Broadcasting Company believe this new series has the opportunity of becoming the most important and distinguished of its kind in radio. Mr. Hitchcock will appear in every program as the narrator and will personally supervise the writing and direction of each highly dramatic tale. It is our good fortune that Alfred Hitchcock has an enormous interest in radio. In fact, the idea of this series originated with him. This is important because it means we have the great asset of a star with a personal enthusiasm in making the series a true milestone in radio. The musical score is handled by Felix Mills in a new and effective way. Instead of using music simply as a bridge between scenes, each episode will be especially scored for dramatic value. The music used to make plot points, to add impact to the action and sharpness to the dialogue. We feel that in every way, this new radio series offers an unusual opportunity to combine broad popular appeal with truly distinguished radio treatment. We leave it to you to judge. You were saying, Mr. Hitchcock, that uh, murder is a serious business. Oh, yes, and murderers are serious people. You know, one thing that has always fascinated me about criminals is that when you walk down a street, any passerby might be a murderer. They don't all wear black mustaches. I imagine most murderers behave just like mild, ordinary people until suddenly one day they turn and stab you in the back or drop a lump of cyanide in a friend's tea. I think this idea must have intrigued Francis Isles too, for the murderer in his story, Malice Aforethought, the Dr. Brickley I mentioned, was certainly an ordinary person. A little fellow, lightly built, around 38 I imagine, sandy hair, a bit thin on top, small sandy moustache, you've seen him, on top of a bus, perhaps, or you've met him on a train. Or if you'd lived near Wyvern Cross in England a few years back, you might have met him in the village, starting out on the morning rounds of his patients. Good morning, Dr. Bigley. Good morning, Mrs. Templar. Morning, Doctor. Morning, Miss Dean. Lovely morning. Lovely. Oh, Bigley. Mr. Tor, good morning. Oh, morning. Good morning, Dr. Bigley. Good morning. How's your mother? Better, thank you. Ah, splendid. Morning, Doctor. Good morning. Good morning, Mrs. Cheevy. Mrs. Harvard. Lovely morning. Lovely. Listen to the way he says lovely morning. I must say I do enjoy a cheerful murderer, although when he got home, Dr. Brickley wasn't always quite as cheery. I suppose his wife, Julia, was what you would call a battle axe. Anyway, she was a lot older than Brickley, almost an old maid type, I suppose. Probably would have been if Brickley hadn't married her. Really, Edmund, really. You might have been considerate enough to come home a little earlier, today of all days. How can Florence get on with her work if you keep her waiting to wash up your lunch things like this? Sorry, Julia. Had to get through my patience, you know. Well, of course. Do you want some more of that cold joint? Uh, just a glass of beer, I think. Edmund, you have far too much to do to sit here drinking beer. Have you forgotten we're having guests? No, my sweet. Besides, you know how beer makes you perspire. Oh, the Tors will play tennis, of course. You better put the net up first. You know how it sags during the first half hour. Mm -hmm. Then there are the two tables to be taken out and the chairs. And I think you better put the awning up in this sun. And after that, you'll have to... My dear, I, uh, <laughs> I don't think I should be able to get all those things done. My dear Edmund, they've got to be done. Have you finished? I'm waiting. Uh, a bit of cheese, I think. You've no time for cheese. Oh, then I suppose I'm finished. 
Just as well we don't give tennis parties every day, isn't it? Oh, I'm glad you mentioned it. The court will have to be rolled. What? The tennis court, Edmund. Wet it down and roll it. But then I'll have to remark all the lines. Well, of course, Edmund. But, but I don't. Now, Edmund, it. don't stand there. Get about it. Dear me, it's a pity I can't be in a dozen places at once to see to everything myself. Yes, dear. Well, that was a typical day at the Bickleys. Except on this particular day, the weather and tempers were hotter than usual. Mrs. Parrot these days, Doctor. Yes, she's been ailing, eh? Well, Mrs. Parrot, I might say. Edmund, Miss Rattery will have a sandwich. Oh, of course, Miss Rattery. Thank you, Doctor. You were asking about Mrs. Parrot. Oh, yes. As a physician, it's my opinion... Edmund, she... not there, please. Hmm? Don't sit there. That's Winfred's seat. She'll be back in a moment. Oh. Dave's that back. Try another. Edmund, they're a ball short. Ben just hit one into the gooseberry bushes. Oh, did he? Well, go and look for it, Edmund. Don't let your guests... It's all right. I'll get Mrs. Bickley. No, Benji. Let Edmund... Oh, hurry, dear. Yes, dear. And so Pillsbury Bush looking for a tennis ball. Just as he was about to grab it with a hot and clammy hand, he heard himself a subject of conversation. Did you hear the way she ordered them about? Awful, isn't it? I'm hanged if I'd speak to a dog like that. Uh, but then I imagine a fellow like Bickley rather enjoys it, eh? Oh, Benji. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know as well as I do, he didn't enjoy it, especially when people laughed. All he could do was to clench his teeth and stare down into the bush. I can't stand this. Not much longer. I can't stand it. I wish Julia were dead.